All right, guys, what is going on? Xbox Two Podcast is officially back on air after uh, a short two-week vacation. I'm one of your hosts, Randall Thor, 19, man with a million. And with me, as always, the one and only, the one and blah, 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 blah. See, I got my nerves <laughs> back because we haven't done a, a live show in a long time. The one and only Jez Corden of Windows Central. What's going back, bud? What, what, God. Can I, can I <laughs> I'm I'm just oh, I'm stinking it up right now. You think I just been podcasting for the first time today? My bad. Little me nerves. Me uh, Don't be nervous. You're you with friends no, here, pal. Not not a little ner- ner- nervous. I'm just uh yeah. No, we haven't done a live show in a couple weeks, and uh, so uh, it's you know I gotta get back on the bicycle. But uh, how you been, buddy? I'm mean, good, man. Um, you know, tough times in England. Uh, Visiting Rare, which was awesome, but also Funeral, which was sad. Um, mm. But, you know, back to normal now in Germany, back on the grind, all that good stuff. Have you been, pal? We haven't we haven't spoken in person for a while. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's going good. I, I took a week off of YouTube. Uh, I was kind of playing Sekiro, getting really into that game. So I didn't really feel like creating content, you know, because I'm not going to force myself to make videos. Uh, so I just kind of took a week off, and now I'm back into the grind, and uh, I really miss doing the podcast. Uh, there was two weeks there where it was just like nothing really to talk about, and I wasn't really up for it anyways. Uh, but we're back. We're on the road to E3, right? The yep, lead up. Should be, should be lots of more interesting stuff to talk about now as we hurtle towards Los Angeles fun. Are you going yeah. this year? I'm not sure. Yeah. You're, you're, I know you're going because yeah, I know man. you said... I'm booked up, baby. You're completely booked. booked. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, mm. There's some things here that I may not be able to get away from. Fair enough. And we have a super chat already from PMS Jordan. Shout oh, out wow. to Nick for getting an X. That's right. Nick, <laughs> uh, the bunny former bunny on Twitter. He picked up the division two uh, bundle Xbox. No, 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 no. He picked the fallout 76. Oh, did he pick, why did he pick up that one? (laughs) Oh, take it back. God. (laughs) Uh, We we can't all be perfect. eh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Just trade in the game. Keep the system. They have the, uh, you know, what is it? Three months for dollar game pass tomorrow. Uh, Amazon has some deals where you can basically get uh, six months for 30 bucks. That'll take you basically for what? The rest of the year, in the next nine months, you'll be able to play Ori 2 and Gears 5 uh, for pretty damn cheap. Man, so it's a good deal. We're going to talk it about is, that. It is a pretty damn good deal. So uh, anything of note happened last couple of weeks, Chez, that you wanted to talk about? I mean, we'll talk about your rare stuff, but anything more on a personal level you want to get in, talk a little yeah. bit about before we... Uh, <laughs> Talk about the games? Nah, not really. You know, um, same old stuff. You know, lots of gaming, lots of Pokemon gaming. You know, but I've been playing more than just Pokemon around. I've been playing many games, some of which I can talk about, and some of which I can't talk about. You know, I, I will say this: I can talk about the fact that I'll never play Pokemon, even if you buy me it. You know, I was thinking about. I was thinking about tweeting. If if Rand plays Pokemon Sword with me, I'll donate one hundred and fifty dollars to a charity of his choice. But I thought I don't I don't want to put Rand in that situation 
How much? Yeah. I will donate hundred if if you if I mean I don't know I don't know if, like guilt trip you, but if you play Pokemon Sword, I'll, I'll donate hundred fifty dollars for a charity of your choice. Oh my god! Here we go, Pokemon Sword. <laughs> I mean, how now, now, that charity, you out, now that you put it out there and it's for charity, I would be a bad person to say. Not only would you buy me the game, <laughs> but then you would also donate one hundred and fifty dollars to charity. It would make it seem like I'm the bad person here. And I, it, w- it would make you seem like the bad person, but I'm not. I'm not forcing you. You know, oh, I mean, geez. you would be a bad person if if you didn't. But I'm, it, there's no pressure. Yeah, yeah. This is. Uh, I, I I'll think about it. You you, you know. I, <laughs> I, I really do have to think about it now because uh, that uh, that is definitely I can't say no. I mean, how can I say no to charity? You can't say no to that. Yeah, I mean, you could you could say no. There's no pressure, but you'd be a terrible person, Rand. Yeah, you want to be a terrible right. person. Yeah, but uh, shout out to Justin Wiley for the super chat. He says, "Love the show. Can't can't watch live. Microsoft Microsoft should do like Apple. You buy an HD movie, you get the UHD version free." You buy the Xbox One version game digitally, get the Scarlet version free cross-platform. Um, I agree with that. I remember because Apple announced a few years was it a couple of years ago now or last year that um, they would be giving everyone the the 4K versions of their movies for free on iTunes, which you know there, there's no better deal than that. And what does Microsoft do? We barely even have any 4K movies, at least in Europe. So. I wouldn't get your hopes up about that. I think Microsoft just doesn't see their movies business as a priority at all. Well, what about the game? I mean, so I think he's talking about the game version. Like if you buy the Xbox one version digitally, you get the Scarlet version free cross platform. I would imagine that would be the case, right? I mean, especially oh, if, that would be the case. Yeah. I would I imagine mean, the backwards compatibility. We assume being a core feature of the next system. If you buy halo infinite, Take it as an example, Halo Infinite, next-gen title for Scarlet. I would assume if you bought that title, you could also then play it on your Xbox One if you wanted to. Definitely. Now, will that work for every single title from every different publisher? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't really know yet. But uh, yeah, uh, Black Black Metal Gamer, he says, uh, Blood Wake reboot using Sea of Thieves water, dope. We will be talking about Sea of Thieves, so the, the list of topics is large. We haven't been around for the last couple weeks. Um, we're going to be talking about that Xbox E3 2019 leak, which I had a good laugh about it. I don't know if you've been asked about it yet, as by anybody. Yeah, a couple of people asked me about it, but I think most people realize that it's not real. Yeah, um, we'll talk about the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate stuff. The debate raging on currently about Sekiro, I swear, the game's been out for, what is it, two weeks now? And people are still talking about easy modes or accessibility and stuff like that. Uh, We will weigh in. Halo Infinite, $500 million budget. Could it really be that much? Uh, Mm. Jez's trip to Rare, where he went and asked if Banjo will be coming to Smash Bros. (laughs) And you will be surprised by the answer. (laughs) No, you won't. You will. But, uh, <laughs> oh man, I got I got a whole story about that thing, but yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, but, like um, uh, Sam Tolbert in chat puts leaks in quotes, right? I know I it wasn't like that article came to me or whatever, right? Someone was like, "Rand, oh my god, it's a leak! You got it! You got to make a video about this." And you know, sometimes I do, and I'm just I'm reading it, and I'm just like, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen," Oof. right? 
It's like <laughs> most of it's going to be true because, hey, I don't know if you know this, uh, Gears 5 and Halo Infinite are going to be there. The guys like Halo Infinite and Gears 5 are going to be there. It's, ah, oh, Jesus. Um, I don't know. Anyways. It was a bit oh, of a safe leak. We'll it talk was about incredibly that safe. But uh, we'll talk about all that stuff, including some more things. Uh, so strap it down and we're going to get going. But first, most important thing about gaming is the games themselves. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what we've been playing. Uh, Jez, Last of Us? Have you been playing Last of Us? I, I hear you've been playing Last of Us. Oh, not not recently. I was just talking about on Twitter about, like, because I want I would do want to play Bloodborne and God of War, but I want to finish The Last of Us first. That's all I was talking about there. Mm. Um, where am I in? I, I just got to the, the last time I played Last of Us, I was at the, the university campus. You know, no spoilers for anyone who, who like me, is several years late to the game. But, uh, yeah, I really enjoying that. But um, not recently I've been playing it, but uh, I've, been, I've been back on that review grind. I've been playing a few games for review. Uh, I've been playing God's Trigger a bit, which is a bit like Hotline Miami. I don't know if you've seen this at all. Uh, yes, yeah, um, I've seen it. It's uh, published by Techland, I believe, um, who are publishing Dying Light 2. So <clears throat> it's a pretty cool game. Can't really talk too much about it because of the review embargo, but I think like the other game I've been playing for review, which is called My Time at Portia, I think there is a preview embargo, and I am allowed to like give some sort of in early thoughts on that. It's and, basically um, a farming game. Yeah, it's farming like, game on your Xbox, like Farm Together and uh, a couple other games. Nah, just like it. it's it's a bit deeper than that actually. It's it's kind of like Animal Crossing meets Stardew Valley. So like there's mining, farming, house building, but also like like Animal Crossing, there's like a village and you build relationships with the townspeople. You have to do little quests and jobs for them and stuff. It's like a lot, you know, a life simulator. I, I don't know if, if that's the official genre or whatever it's called, but it's like it's inspired by Animal Crossing. Like there's animals in it too, like and stuff like that. It's got nice graphics, vibrant, colorful, sort of uh, low. Um, you know, simple cartoony textures and stuff like that. It's really good. You know, I'm enjoying it so far. It's, it's not really my kind of game typically, but like for people who do enjoy those kind of games, I think uh, I think people get a lot of it, a lot out of it. There's a lot of stuff to do, you know. You're right. Um, so well, check out my time at Portia if you're into those kind of games. Yeah, that game comes out next week. But yeah, there's a super chat here from PMS Jordan. Uh, she really wants me to play Bloodborne. Uh, really, <laughs> really, really. Will you, donate to, will you donate to charity if Ron plays Bloodborne? <laughs> I'm going to make okay. this a thing. I'm going to make this a thing. Force Ron to, to play games for charity. I mean, I, I, I play a lot of games. I just finished Sekiro, but I will be playing Bloodborne. Uh, since, well, I'll talk about Sekiro in a little bit and why I want to, but yes, Bloodborne will be a thing. So rest assured, uh, you can expect the review or whatever for that there's just some other things i need to get to in the meantime La- last guardian um devil may cry 5 metro and then of course mortal Kombat 11 and days gone are a couple weeks from now uh so yeah. um yeah, anything else jess anything else you've been playing these last couple weeks <clears throat> i'm trying to think um uh, i've been playing a lot of pokemon on my 3ds love that i've also been playing uh super mario brothers u <laughs> Uh, the new Super Mario Bros. U on the Nintendo Switch. I love how Nintendo, like, when they re-release things, they just slap new on it, on the front of it. That's funny. Um, 
I mean, if they re-release it again, would it be called the new new Super Mario Brothers U? I don't know. But uh, I think that's about it, man. Uh, oh well, obviously been playing loads of Division, but we talked about that yeah. last time on the show. Like, I just hit level thirty in Division Two. I'm uh, working towards getting into the end game now. What what world tier are you on? Have you been playing Division as well? Yeah, so like I'm up to gear score 460, but I basically play in other people's games. So my world's in world tier one. So, yeah. but I mean, like I'm geared up to be world tier five. I did do the title base, and I thought I thought it was a little bit too easy. Uh, we kind of yeah. ran through that pretty quickly. Um, I really still like the division two, though. I think it's a lot better than division one. Yeah, sure. Um, I think so too. We'll probably try out the raid when it comes out at the end of the month. Yeah, but I'm not really expecting too much out of it, to be quite honest. Really? Why not? I don't know. Just seeing the title basin and what it was, there really wasn't anything special. Um, I don't mm-hmm. really. I'm not really expecting anything special from. What What are you talking about? Either with the title base, what they added a new the world tier five and the new mission for it. Title basin. Oh, it? oh title basin. Yeah. Oh yeah, I haven't. I haven't hit that. Myself. It's not. It's not very good. I, I, I oh, just really? a lot of these free updates for things that they they add. They, like to me, it's almost like there was content held back that they can then dole out later. And it's like title basins here where it's a new stronghold, but it wasn't very good. Definitely wasn't on par of the three previous strongholds. So I kind of see the raid. Well, maybe the raid will be a little bit different. Maybe they have a different team working on it and, and, and stuff. So I may, I'll take a wait and see approach on that. But yeah, I was not impressed by title basin whatsoever. Um, so yeah, anything else? Nope. I think that's it, man. Um, my backlog's just insane right now. I'm just uh, waiting for Rage, Rage 2, stuff like that. Are you into Mortal Kombat? That's the next big one, right? Mortal Kombat 11. Mortal Kombat 11 and Days Gone, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Days Gone. I got that pre-ordered. But I don't know if I'm going to have time to play it in the near time. I hear uh, Days Gone's embargo is the day before release. Ooh. Which typically Ooh. doesn't fare well for review scores normally when... I don't when get it. Comes- it looks really good in the trailers, I think. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, it looks like, like it's going to have a really good story. My my thing with Days Gone has always been that it looks a little generic, and I think the combat looks like, for lack of a better word, uninspired. Doesn't mm. look. It doesn't uh, really look uh, great. Like I'm interested in seeing the story and the graphics for sure, but man, the combat looks pretty bad. But yeah, so day before release, most of the time with Sony's games, uh, they're well in advance. I mean, Gears or God of War 5 was 12 days before release, I believe. We all know what happened there. I think like Uncharted 4 was five days before release. Spider-Man was five days before release. Most of the time when Sony's confident in a title, their review score, they'll, they'll let the review embargo up early. The day mm. before means there's probably some worry there, so I would expect probably it to score in the upper 70s to low 80s, probably a 78 to an 81 would be my prediction. Hmm. So, yeah. But anyways, uh, I've played quite a few games. So I haven't played Apex Legends. It's done and it's over with. I liked it a lot, and now I completely have no interest in playing it again. Kind of funny. Rand, 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 Rand. My yes. dear friend. I remember having this conversation 
about PUBG? And I have not played PUBG either. I haven't played PUBG. No, no, no. But I remember a long time ago, you were like, oh, I'm, I'm so done with PUBG. I'm never going back to it, blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, like a few weeks later, you were, you were all in again on PUBG. Nah, no, no more. Probably, and then you quit, and then you went back, and then you quit and went back. Nope, nope, nope. dude. This did not happen. But either, but anyways, it I honestly it happen. I remember distinctly. Do not have a desire to play Apex Legends again. Um, what but, is it? Is it boring or what? Yeah, it's gotten to the point where it's boring. They need something new. Uh, a, a new character doesn't cut it for me. I honestly think it's the map. I think the map is too played out at this point. Like all mm. the firefights happen in similar places and. It just became, it just became. I don't know, run of the mill. It just, it just became boring. So I played a, a few indies. I played Far Lone Sales, which oh, I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's, it's quite good. I really enjoyed it. It's like a mix of Limbo and like a car management game. It was, it, it's, it's really interesting. I think you might enjoy it, Jess. So it's got the aesthetics of Limbo, and there are, there are some kind of like uh, platforming elements. But mainly it's about maintaining this locomotive that you drive. Yeah. Uh, where you got to like give it energy, release the steam, uh, put boxes into the, the fire to give it the energy, uh, break and all that stuff. It took, I think my first playthrough was like two and a half hours, three hours. I quite enjoyed it. Um, mm. It's got some pretty easy achievements and everybody's looking for that. You can get like, I think 730 points out of it. But I definitely really recommend uh, if you're looking for a Limbo-inspired aesthetic game uh, to, to check that out. I also played... Um, what else did I play? Let me bring up my list here, Jazz, of all the games I've played. Let me, let me, let me really quickly bring this up because I played a, a little bit and I want to make sure. Um, let's see. Oh, I played uh, Stories, The Path of Destinies. I thought that game was pretty cool. It's... um. Another smaller indie title, because I also played Sekiro, which I'll talk here in a minute. Um, it's a game where it's a choose-your-own-adventure uh, action action hack-and-slash game where the combat's set up like Batman. And at mm. the end of the five levels, you normally die. But you remember what happened, so you then replay it and make different choices. Because at the end of each level, it's like, will you go here to save this person, or would you go here to get the ultimate weapon? So there's different choices you make, and it's all about uncovering the truth, or at least making it so you can actually beat the game finally without actually dying. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but the most of the time I've been spending on recently is um, Sekiro, Shadow Dies Twice. So I want to hear your thoughts on this because um, I, tr- I did try Sekiro briefly while I was drunk in England and killed the first mini-boss type guy. Ooh, the mini-boss. So Sekiro is my first From Software game, truly. Like, yes, I have a 1,000 gamer score in Dark Souls 1, but I was... Play. I was entirely carried through that game in co-op by um, one of my buddies who gave me over-leveled stuff where I could kill everything in one hit and I couldn't die. Basically, right? So, so I didn't what you're telling me is you played Dark Souls in easy mode? Yes. I mean, no. It was this was like Dark Souls <laughs> in hacked mode because I had gear and weapons that were so over-leveled for all that stuff. I didn't actually experience the game, and then he would basically walk <laughs> me through everything, right? So I didn't play Dark Souls 2. I didn't play Dark Souls 3. I haven't played Bloodborne. 
I so yeah, I, I I don't really enjoy those type of games, but there was something about Sekiro that was interesting to me. It was wasn't about you know character customization and getting like, do you want to be a mage or a warrior? Um, it was just here's a character action game. You play as the same person, and I absolutely love the game because I love the challenge that it offered. I loved overcoming that challenge. I mean, it told a decent story, but what I really liked about the game was combat. Uh, It is a game that requires you to play it a little bit differently than the other Dark Souls games, apparently. This one is definitely more about blocking and deflecting. People have compared it to a rhythm game to me. Yes, and it's a fighting game. It's a rhythm, rhythm game because you need to know how their people react, and it's very much about deflecting at the right time it's it it, you could definitely have someone could definitely mod in like guitar hero controls where you like you see the attack coming in you're supposed to parry at the right moment there is an element of rhythm to it if you want to play it like from software uh wants you to play it as but the reason i really enjoyed the game uh is because of the combat like i really enjoyed that aspect of it uh the story is okay the world they built is amazing but it's really the combat that I like fell in love with. So I think I beat the game 35 hours. Uh, I've done some stuff afterwards. I beat like the demon of hatred boss. I don't think I'll go for a new game plus at least not yet because, because it's, because it's like a puzzle game jazz. So now that I know all the puzzles, since the bosses have the same move sets and I know how the bosses all react now and I can beat them all. You know how puzzle games, when you play it a second or third time, become ridiculously easy because you know the solutions? Yes. That's exactly what Sekiro is. Like, mm-hmm. second playthrough is easy mode because you know the solutions to all the puzzles, a.k.a. the boss fights. Yeah. So it wouldn't be as fun. Sure, there's, there's a part of me that's like, man, Lady Butterfly kicked my ass for an hour and a half. I would love to just get back in there, fight her on my second playthrough, and show her what's up in my first try. But, yeah, it doesn't really seem like there's much challenge for the second time around because you know everything. You know how the bosses are going to fight. And, uh, yeah. But otherwise, I really enjoyed it. I know a couple people in chat say it's not game of the year. It is game of the year. Uh, Snatcher Hatcher says, I wouldn't say Sekiro is game of the year, not even close. Well, I mean, like... Well, of course not. It's launching the same year as Pokemon. It's all shit. (laughs) Of course it's not game of the year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens towards the end of the year. But right now, it is my current number one. You know, Resident Evil 2 is number two. Uh, I, w- I haven't played Metro Devil May Cry 5 yet, so it's hard to slot those in there. I really did enjoy Division 2. So Division 2 would be up there. We'll see how Days Gone and Mortal Kombat go because I, I really like Mortal Kombat. And who knows? Maybe Days Gone will surprise uh, but there's a lot of uh, you know great games still left to come. I'll tell you what's not going to be in my top ten: uh, Crackdown Three and Far Cry New Dawn. They won't be there because those games Ooh. are trash. I I am shocked about this revelation. Frankly, Ron, shocked. Yeah, shocked. Um, <laughs> Amano Jakum wants to know: Is Sekiro is easily his fave game of the year? Rand, do you get to keep your unlocks of New Game Plus? Yes, you pretty much get to keep every, everything except story related stuff. But yeah, all your prosthetics you keep, the upgrades you keep for it, uh, the the items that you have all carry over. So, I mean, the enemies are supposed to get tougher, but it doesn't really seem like it. 
Uh, plus, yeah, we got Gears 5 coming out this year. Ori 2 will probably be my game of the year, more than likely. I already know Ori 2 is going to be absolutely amazing. But for now, it definitely is from software, uh, uh, Sekiro, which it honestly has made me reconsider playing Bloodborne. I'm not really interested in playing Dark Souls, but I am interested in playing Bloodborne. So I'm going to fire that game up 100%. I've already decided before PMS Jordan as uh, a super chat where she's she she and uh and nick and a couple other people have been on my ass about playing <laughs> sekiro or not sekiro uh playing bloodborne and it's gonna happen definitely 100 percent. i will play through that game uh we'll see because i've been told that it's not anything like sekiro uh so we'll see if i like it i mean i I know the combat's not anything like it. I know there's the stamina management, which you have to keep in mind, which I'm not a fan of, which is probably one of the reasons why I didn't play those other ones. So, yeah, that's what I've been playing, Jez, those games. That is, uh, that is, that is, that is the game's played for, for now. But we're going to move on to a whole bunch of different topics. There's a lot here. But since I mentioned Crackdown, Jez, I want to make mention also that uh, squads are coming to Crackdown. For really? Hacking. When was that announced? Uh, it was announced on uh, a couple days ago. They're going into Xbox Insider Build. Well, Xbox PR didn't even announce that, so <clears throat> I mean, it's on the new. It's on the Xbox News website. They didn't send me an email about it because they don't give a crap about Crackdown. That's <laughs> why. They want that stuff uh, to just go completely under the radar. There's been reports that nobody plays Crackdown's Wrecking Zone mode for good reason, because why would you without any of your friends in 2019? No, I, honestly, why would you with your friends? It's just not good, honestly. So finally, after two months, they're adding in party functionality of some kind. Squads. Like, it, like squads is going to save Wrecking Zone. Come on. Just... Let's all forget about Crackdown. That Crackdown existed and just move on. Jeez. F. I mean, good on them for trying to, uh, you know, live up to the promises of like, yeah, we're going to make this happen. But man, oh man. Like, maybe, you know what? Thinking, think, obviously, hindsight's 2020 here, but should they have just released the campaign and just released Wrecking Zone when they, that, that they had everything working? Uh, I I don't know. I honestly don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I, it should have probably been cancelled. Should have been uh, cancelled? Those are str- strong words here, Jez. Should have been cancelled. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm so disappointed with the, the campaign. I know some people like it, but it, like everything, every aspect of it just didn't live up to even the lowest expectations for me. And the fact that it was sixty dollars. The the saving grace of Crackdown is the fact that it was in Game Pass. You know, yeah. I didn't really have fun with the campaign. It was super repetitive. Uh, the there's just no there's no real skill in Wrecking Zone either because you just you just jump around and auto aim. There's no there's no skill to it. It's like whoever aims first wins. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't even bother playing Wrecking Zone. Uh, and I'm definitely not going to bother playing it with squads. 
Can't even get my buddies to play Battle Fi- Battlefield 5's Firestorm mode because I wanted to play and try it out. So everybody's kind of moved on. But uh, you mentioned Game Pass, Jez. We talked about earlier how Microsoft has a deal starting today, three months for a dollar, and Amazon has the deal. But uh, you think this month's Game Pass editions are one of the best. Two of your favorite games on Xbox are coming to Game Pass. I was like, pray. I wasn't too surprised about because Bethesda have been pretty supportive of, of the whole thing. Or they've got some kind of deal. I don't know. But Monster Hunter was like, really? It's like That's like Capcom's best selling game ever. And it's still got like a huge fan base and stuff, active player base. So I was surprised to see Monster Hunter in there. Like, I think Monster Hunter will be one of those games that's in there briefly and then goes out again, just so, so they can try, so new players can try it out and maybe convert them into full-time well, players. the cynic in me, well, not the cynic in me, the realist in me sees, hey, isn't there a paid expansion coming from Monster Hunter World pretty soon? Mm, not soon. It's in the holiday season. So that's the thing. I would have expected this maybe nearer to the expansion coming out. This, this seems early. So the Unless expansion they... isn't coming out until the end of the year? If I remember if I remember correctly, I think it's coming out in quarter three, quarter four. I don't mm. think it's so I thought I thought it was coming that. out earlier than that. And let me check. Let me check. Getting getting in a game pass when there's a big expansion for that title kind of makes sense. Especially Capcom's probably like, we sold all the copies we're gonna sell. Microsoft is dropping some more money on our doorstep to get this to be played by more people that might not have spent money on monster hunter world plus we got the expansion we can sell yeah iceborne so. iceborne's coming out in autumn 2019 oh but mind you there is the um the Geralt. there's more mm. Geralt to review dlc i think coming soon so like the witcher's in it now and uh some some of the bosses from the witcher have made their way into the game which is really strange but also kind of awesome but yeah life is strange episode two which is interesting because they said those were coming out every 90 days, the episodes. 90 days after release, uh, the episodes would be hitting Game Pass. And then, I think like Resident Evil 5, which is, eh, whatever. It's Resident Evil 5. It's a game from last gen, basically. Although it's the remastered version. Um, and I'm blanking on the rest. Golf Club 2 is not very good. But the big additions, obviously, Prey, which I really liked, you loved. Uh, and... I, there's still a little, there's a little mixed on that. A lot, a lot of people, eh, you know, there's, there's mixed feelings towards prey. But everybody really loves Monster Hunter World, so I was shocked uh, when that, when that got added. But I, I look forward to seeing every single month what Microsoft does with Game Pass to make it better. And they definitely seem like they are giving it away, aren't they, Jez? All these, all these deals for a dollar. Yeah. It's it's definitely interesting to see where the service is headed now. Um, since we're on the topic of Game Pass, Brad Sam's had an interesting article not that long ago about Game Pass Ultimate. Ah, yes, Game Pass Ultimate. Game Pass Ultimate, which makes sense. It's so basically, it's going to combine Game Pass with Xbox Live Gold in one subscription. So instead of having two, you can just have one, which is what people have been asking for for quite some time. It's like, hey, Microsoft, it doesn't really make sense to subscribe to Game Pass and Gold. Why not just put it into one uh, subscription tier, which seems like a good thing, and it looks like it's going to happen. 
fifteen dollars a month, which comes out to uh, what would what would that be a year? Like one hundred and eighty bucks. Oh, don't ask me mass questions, man. I got Alexa for that. You got Alexa? Well, ask Alaska. How much is it? Oh, it's not plugged in. Oh, Damn come it. on. What do you mean not plugged in? <laughs> it's not plugged in. Yeah. Uh, so, but it doesn't really seem like no, there's a lot of me. savings on it. There's um, if you the savings because we don't know how much it's going to be for a year, right? If they do a discount for an annual subscription, that could be savings. Oh, so you but, so you think they'll they might have here's the monthly option at fifteen, or yes. you could subscribe right now for a year and it would be a little cheaper, one hundred and fifty or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe because um, it's right now it's only a saving if you pay for Game Pass and Xbox Live separately on a monthly basis. If you play, if you pay for them on an annual basis, I think it's not a saving if I remember right. So for it to be a saving, they'd need to offer some kind of discount for a year, which is what, which is generally what happens with annual, annual subscriptions, you know? So, um, cause it's, uh, you know, that's, that's how they get you. That's how they get you. But, um, uh, Mikey Barra tweeted, someone asked Mikey Barra about Game Pass Ultimate and Mikey Barra tweeted, What's Game Pass Ultimate? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what's he going to say? He can't announce it. It hasn't been officially announced by Microsoft yet. Yeah, I know. I know. What's he going to say? The, um, Game the, Pass leak, uh, the leak came from uh, Walking Cat on Twitter, and Walking Cat is uh, is well known for finding Microsoft things. Generally, a lot of his leaks have just been things Microsoft posted by accident on their own sites, and he's got ways of just keeping tabs on that really well. So Walking Cat generally doesn't, you know, he's not an insider. He just basically just posts things that he finds himself. So I think, like, I think it's definitely coming. Well, I've heard it's true. I heard it's 100% true and will be coming at some point. Um, I'm I'm interested in seeing the deals. Like, it's one thing to give it for $15 a month and really not much get much savings. I, I wonder if they will have a year option. And it does really seem like Microsoft is all about the uh, subscription life these days, huh? What do you mean these days? I mean, I guess for all all days going forward, but everything seems Forever. to be a subscription, right? Yeah, you got real. supposedly Game Pass coming for PC, which will probably have its own subscription for it. Yep. Um, who knows what other... There's xCloud, which maybe we can talk a little bit briefly here. There's, yeah, still, sure. there's still a little bit of... Um, not confusion because Microsoft really hasn't talked much about it. There's, I guess people just don't know how that service is going to work in conjunction with all the other Microsoft services. Like there's the, yeah, I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Ultimately. I mean, I I was fielding questions on Twitter the other day from people who thought it would be free. Yeah. So so that's the thing. So no, 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 no. There's a large segment of people that believe it's going to be free. That if you just buy halo infinite, uh, you'll be able to stream it to your, you know, your your mobile phones or your PCs, which maybe for a Microsoft title that could be true, because we don't know. But I have always felt that this type of stuff more than likely has really taken a significant investment within Microsoft and Xbox yeah. that it's going to require some sort of price. Now, I don't think it'll have its. I don't think you'll have to subscribe to XCloud by itself where they're literally going to hang it and be like, it's $10 to do this. I don't think they're going to do that. I think it'll be included 
with either Xbox Live Gold or Xbox Game Pass. And if I had to guess, they'll include it with Game Pass because they want to bolster those numbers. Yeah, I would agree on the Game Pass aspect of it because also in addition to that, you've got the the whole licensing model, right? You can say to devs, include your game in Game Pass, also get it in xCloud, you know, kind of sweetens the deal. Well, also, it's like if somebody signs up to stream their games, they may not have any games, but if it's already included in Game Pass, then you're going to have a whole bunch of games that you can presumably can stream. Yeah. So they kind of work work itself out. But yeah, I, I don't think it'll be free. I'm, I mean, I guess there's... I, I'm going to start right now. I know it's not going to be free. Okay. So don't, you know don't it's not going to be free. But, I mean, we got people saying that it should be free, that Xbox Live Gold should be free. And hell, I mean, I, I, of course, I think Xbox Live Gold, I think PlayStation Plus, I don't, I think those should be free, right? Like, I think, I think blocking off multiplayer access is, it may have worked in the past, and it probably still work for the future because console gamers have proven they will hand over their money. Right, and it's not just Microsoft; it's Sony and Nintendo now. It's and they the make is, though, tons of money like, doing it. The people who argue that it should be free, like you've got to remember that the consoles are subsidized by those services. If they make online free, then to make that they've got to make that money back somewhere now. So, like, basically, you're asking them to make the consoles more expensive, possibly. Mm, yeah, but there's always the if you make it free, more people might play multiplayer. So more people might be inclined to spend money on those games, which you take a 30% cut for. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, like, I think blocking off multiplayer access in 2019 is a, a dated concept. Might have worked back in 2003, 2004. Um, I, just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's potential possibly there to make more money. Uh, but somebody's got to be the one who takes that first step. So are you saying that like Microsoft could put the emphasis on Game Pass to the point where they could just drop Xbox Live Gold completely? Well, yeah, but they're not going to do that because why would they? It's like you can have both and still make more money. I'm just like I think in a scenario if, if PlayStation didn't follow Microsoft's footsteps and if Nintendo didn't follow in their footsteps it would probably be possible, but since they both did, it's not going to happen. Like I don't have, and especially with them, including gold into game pass with ultimate tier, it just basically further goes to show that it ain't happening. It's not going to be free. I know every single year people predict that it's going to be free and a free announcement at E3, but all it needs to tell you is it ain't happening. Like they're putting gold into game pass. Although it does tell you interesting by what they're calling it game pass ultimate what they think the future of the brand is it's not game Game pass it's not game pass and gold it's not xbox live gold it's like game pass seems to be uh definitely their front facing uh you know marketing tool i guess or subscription Hmm. game pass is the subscription brand brand says sub zedix yeah, Sam says he made the same connection. So, I don't know. I mean, I would love for multiplayer to be free. I, I I would rather have Microsoft keep Xbox Live Gold and then give you extra things. Like, here's your free games. Here's your whatever. 
where the, like the multiplayer is just free. But you know, I, every time I bring that up, people you know people will be like, "Well, Microsoft still has to make money. How do they do that?" There's some developer on Twitter went at me and said, "You you want us developers to work for free?" I've had conversations with people at Xbox that say, "You know, how 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 are people who work gonna get paid?" It's so there's it's not just that easy. I don't know. I I, I still think there the possibility exists that they could get rid of it and then make even more money, but obviously you wouldn't know until you tried. Probably won't happen. Hundred percent probably won't happen. Anyways, I agree. Um, Halo Infinite, Jez. Halo, Halo, Halo Infinite. Hello, Five hundred million dollar budget. Is it true? I'm putting you on the spot right now. Is Halo Infinite costing five hundred million dollars to make? Is it? Will it be the biggest and most expensive gaming project in all of history? I've tried to uh, find out if it's true or not, and um, <laughs> people just tell me they don't know. Like they don't know the specific budgets, so um, but I doubt it. Come on, half a billion, half a billion dollars seems does seem like a lot of money, doesn't it? Well, like maybe the entire Halo operation, like uh, including the TV stuff and the and the marketing and the, the toy licensing and all that stuff. Maybe maybe it's revenue or something. I think like maybe the the five hundred million figure has come from somewhere and someone's misinterpreted it maybe like maybe it's just like maybe it's just the revenue of halo as a business you know like all the different aspects of halo i mean i wouldn't be shocked if halo itself was turning over like not turning over but you know the revenue not the profits just the revenue but mm. i don't know i don't think a single game i can't see microsoft dropping that much on halo can you no, absolutely not. I couldn't see Microsoft dropping that much money in any one of their games. And the only game that could possibly drop that much would be on Halo. Because I'll say right now, Halo's Xbox, Xbox is Halo. They, they, will, they, they will not have... There isn't a franchise that Microsoft has that is as big as Halo, and they can never make another franchise that will have the cultural impact that Halo has. Not even... <laughs> not even... Not even Minecraft's not theirs though. Like Minecraft was already paid before Microsoft <laughs> bought them. Like Microsoft oh, okay. didn't so buy saying... Minecraft. I'm saying something that oh, they yeah, created. Okay. The, I, I guess you could say, well, maybe that's not 100 percent true, Rand, because Bungie was making Halo uh before Microsoft bought them, but at that time Halo was an RTS, which then they transitioned into a first person shooter. Um, which is why that's why I don't include Minecraft because Minecraft already existed. But Microsoft does deserve credit for basically keeping Minecraft as big as possible. Um, and honestly, do most people even consider Minecraft a Microsoft game? I think most a lot of people don't associate Minecraft with Microsoft. It's like Minecraft belongs to the community. You know, it's on every single platform. It's all about the modding tools and all that sort of stuff. So. Even though it is owned by Microsoft and stewarded stewarded by Microsoft, it's you know what more like it, a community. Sort I of guess community. if you okay, so some people are saying obviously Halo was a thing before Microsoft, and I know that. So let's let's axe Halo, and you can axe my, Minecraft. You can axe Gears because Gears was epic. I guess the only thing would be what Forza, Age of Empires, man, Age of Empires. But oh, either way, yeah. um. Like Halo is the only one that would 
probably does. You don't need a five hundred budget, five hundred million dollar budget for Minecraft, though. I guess is what I'm going to say on that, right? You don't need that type of budget, but for a game like Halo that needs constant iterations, uh, new engines, new multiplayer, new story, because you kind of constantly always got to invest in Halo in a way that you don't really need to invest in Minecraft because they're not making sequels; they're just iterating on already was there. Mm. If the game that would be the most expensive, if you had to pick, it definitely is Halo. Now, I've said it in my video. I think Halo Infinite is the most expensive project ever for Microsoft Game Studios and will definitely be the most expensive Xbox title, or Halo title, rather. Um, But yeah, I I don't really see $500 million. Now, I could see it getting close to that number if you include, like, marketing costs. Because Microsoft's really going to spend a ton of money marketing that game. Yes. You know, especially if they tie it into the marketing of the next-gen consoles, Anaconda and Lockhart. Uh, It's also really maybe their best chance to get people who really don't know much about Game Pass into Game Pass. I mean, Halo is... I mean, say what you will about Halo. It's not as big as it once was. Definitely not as big as how it used to be, like 2007. But it's I think, definitely um, Halo will experience a bit of a renaissance when it hits Steam, though. Like yeah. I, I swear, I have I've been like, it's it's been weird watching the transformation of the way Steam. I mean, Halo has been perceived in some of the hardcore PC gaming communities simply because it's coming to Steam. Well, yeah, and so they, they're using it and, and as well, they're using it as an example of, well, we don't care about the Epic Game Store because we've got Halo. Like I, I never would have thought. That would have been the argument, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So, like, there is that Halo Infinite. You, you, I guess I'll ask you this question: Do you think Halo Infinite will be on Steam day one? <sighs> See, that's tough, man. Because it is, isn't it? They've kind of like laid the groundwork for it, right? Yeah, they've, they've put their, their they've almost put their flag in the ground now and been like, "Okay, PC gamers, we hear you." Uh, we're going to support you. If they don't put Halo Infinite there day and day, it's just going to look like it was all a cynical ploy, you know, to get Halo back in mainstream consciousness or something. So um, I would hope that Microsoft does put it in Steam on day one. I think that's that will give it the best chance to hit, like, a huge audience, especially the multiplayer stuff. And I think, like, if they're doing all this work to get Steam and Azure linked up, at a cloud level, they might as well use it, you know, and they've already done the work with killer instinct for that game. I mean, why not? Well, That's I definitely, I think de- before you would say, nah, there's no chance, right? They're going to want to, you know, have a selling point for their new consoles, uh, pick it up on game pass on, on Xbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could make the argument that Halo Infinite's their best chance of getting people to check out the Windows 10 PC, which is something that we know that they're trying to do. They're trying to really improve their store. So if you put it on Steam day one, well, there goes any chance of anybody checking out Windows 10 for it, right? Like that particular uh, store, because why would any? Why would a PC gamer choose the Windows store over Steam? Unless, of course... You gave them an option and be like, you can choose to play it on Windows 10 Store in Game Pass for super cheap, or you could buy it straight up on Steam. Well, that that will be the choice. Exactly, you're exactly right. 
that that's what the choice will be. It'll be well, like, yeah. do you do you get it? Do you get it cheap in Game Pass for Game Pass for PC or whatever, or do you, you know, get it on Steam? That'll be the choice. So well, it'll be interesting to see whether where they decide the value lands, you know. I, I would imagine 99% of people will choose to play it on Steam. Because, and I think, I don't I, I'm starting to think that Halo Infinite will be on Steam day one. Yeah, uh, I think it will too. I'm not sure Gears 5 will be, but I think Halo will. And especially with the fact that they require you to log into Xbox Live or make an Xbox account. That kind of just sealed the deal. It's like, okay, well, now they're requiring you on Steam to use Xbox Live. Uh, and we all know Microsoft loves their mon- monthly active users. So they'll, they'll take it. And the only thing they're going to lose is what, 20%? I know Steam takes 30%, but the more money you make as a game, the lower the cost, uh, I think the percentage becomes. I think it goes all the way down to like 20%. Mm. And that game would sell tons. And then you, like you said, it would be the renaissance of Halo. Because it's going to sell on Xbox. It'll it'll be like the biggest selling exclusive. It'll have millions of people playing day one because of Game Pass. So the the the, the barrier to entry to play that game is going to be extremely small. And then if you have the PC community, uh, whether super cheap on Windows 10 or full price on Steam, one of the biggest gaming platforms out there, you could see the re- the you know um, the rise of Halo again. Of course, yep. it's got to be good, though. It's got to be good. That's be, the whole thing like this. That's important. Is, is, that's, it, that's it's funny because, like, you talk about this, and it's just like, yeah, you know, it has to be good because if you release Halo Infinite and it sucks, everyone's going to know it's going to suck, and they'll it, you you have like one one chance to do this right. You have like one chance, and you better not you better not screw it up. Well, that, that's another that's a that's another point though. If if this is the like their one chance to reconnect gamers with Halo, then are they risking that by doing a sloppy port between Steam and the Windows 10 store? Because it's still not it's it's easier to port between the systems, but is it like is it a good idea to focus on building building the game properly or making sure it hits all the different separate platforms and that sort of thing? Because um I suppose Microsoft is working on tools specifically for that reason. Like uh, recently, they um, they were giving away State of Decay One on the Windows Ten Store because um, to test out some new delivery mechanics for for PC games, and a lot of people took that as evidence that Xbox games were coming to Windows Ten Store via PC. Like they were just going to slap Xbox games onto uh, PC, but Actually, that was the Steam version that they put onto the Windows 10 store. So they are working on tools to make porting between the devices uh, platforms easier. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a risk to port it on so many platforms at once. Because that was the whole reason Master Chief Collection was such a mess at launch. There were so many different engines and so many different server infrastructures trying to overlap with each other. It was kind of risky, right? Yeah. Definitely is. So I I mean, we both feel that the budget's probably not $500 million. But if there was a game from Microsoft that would get that budget, it would be Halo Infinite. Uh, Just, there's no way. Like, the only game I could see even approaching that is Grand Theft Auto 6. 
You know, Rockstar, they spend years making their opuses. Didn't, um, what was the rumored budget of Destiny 2? Wasn't that crazy? It was like, no, so it was was a 10 year, $500 million investment. Right. It wasn't just like $500 million for Destiny 1. It was like the totality of Activision's investment in Bungie and Destiny as a whole. So. Yeah, ten years, three games, well, two games, but uh, I mean, the like Red Dead Redemption Two is like rumored to have a budget anywhere between two hundred million dollars and six hundred million dollars, and that game's you know been worked on for eight years. Halo Infinite, five years. Um, but uh, they need to. Microsoft just needs to focus on creating quality content. Mm. That's it. Like the games need to be good. Uh, you, you can't really. They need to be good. They need to be full of content. If you want people to truly embrace, uh, your exclusive platform st- or the, the 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 your strategy for your platform moving forward. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. Can they? Can hit? It's like can Microsoft make a games jazz? Because that's also. That's a que- that's a question. That, that's the question that you need. Is a to, question. Though. Is it in them to make quality games? I don't know, man. So we'll see. Uh, what, I mean, Ori Two and Gears Five will be pretty d- two damn good examples this year. I have faith in Ori Two uh, because Moon Studios didn't disappoint with their first one. So I'm expecting great things for Ori Two, and I'm you know what Coalition. Rod Ferguson back for their second game, their second Gears game. I'm expecting that game to be great too. I'm expecting that game to be a big improvement yeah, over I've got Gears high Four. Expectations for Gears Five. So, if you can kind of start turning that corner and be like, okay, well, the Coalition did it. Now I now I can be like, all right, well, you know, three four three can do it. Uh, the initiative can will do it. Playground will do it. You know. There's a sense, like, if you compare, and I, I don't normally like to make these comparisons, but you compare, like, Microsoft and Sony, there's really no doubt with Sony. You know? It's like, no. maybe the beginning of this gen, some people doubted their other studios. Nobody doubted Naughty Dog. But now it's like, it's just, it's people just think whatever Sony game's coming out next is going to be great. Microsoft needs to get back into the position where instead of everybody thinking their next game is going to be a 60 Metacritic title, that the next game is going to be pretty damn good. They need to get back to that point is what I'm saying. Yep. And uh, it'll work out for that because... They've got a long way to go to get back to that point, though. But it's only going to take... It only will take a few like titles, a few string... You know, if, if Ori 2 is great and if Gears 5 is great and... Ninja Theory's game is great next year, and if Halo Infinite's great, it it's it all just flows, man. Like all you need to do is make a few games that are really good, and people will be like, "All right, Microsoft's onto this thing." You know, not not every game is going to be amazing. Like I don't expect Battletoads to be amazing because I think that game's going to be a small kind of, uh, you know, twenty dollar indie title or whatever. But the big titles from Microsoft's first party, it's like they need to kind of get people in the mindset of like expect greatness and not expect 60 meta. Um, but because you know, transitioning into, uh, 
this other topic I, I saw literally come up today, and I, I'm going to pull it from your own website here, Jez, Windows Central. Uh, content, right? Content is king, and Microsoft's taking shots at Google Stadia, Stadia today. Yes, they are. <laughs> that was funny. So, you know, uh, basically Mike Nichols, Xbox's Mike Nichols, uh, basically says that you know, Google's new gaming platform doesn't have content. Basically, quote here, emerging competitors like Google have a cloud infrastructure, a community with YouTube, but they don't have the content. You won't necessarily need a device over time, but you'll get the best experience with lo- local processing power. Now, that's true. We don't know much of what you know, Google's doing content-wise. We know they are building a first-party platform with Jade Raymond. We don't know what any agreements they do have. And while they do have an infrastructure with the cloud, they really don't have content. We don't know what deals they've struck with third parties. Who Basically, we don't know anything too much about what their plans are, right? Even though they've revealed their stuff this past I'm pretty sure PDC. I've all that, like, Microsoft's biggest failing is to underestimate Google. You know, I think like that, that'll be the thing that screws them over is underestimating how much Google wants to put in and spend on getting those content deals. Cause I've heard like, they're going to be doing the destiny thing where they have exclusive DLC that's exclusive to stadia and stuff like that. And of course all that doesn't matter squat if it doesn't work and it may well not work, you know, and it just may well be a subpar experience and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, if it does work and it gives people a load of convenience and it lets them play games on, like, their phones and their uh, Chromebooks and it leads to a whole new hardware category of Switch-like devices and stuff like that, um, it, could give, it could give Microsoft a run for their money, you know, because Microsoft's really good at underestimating its competition. <laughs> over the years yeah so. i mean that that definitely that definitely is true but uh and and any any talks about content which is kind of the previous talking point where we were uh you know espousing our thoughts on needs to be great content yep. you know we don't know what type of content google's gonna have and sure microsoft has uh the connections and they've been in the, this business particularly for a long time, and they have the cloud and all that stuff. Um, I would have liked Mike Nichols to basically. I would have liked him to say great content because it's not just content; it's great content. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons why the Switch is so dominant, isn't it, Jazz? The, the 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 in in the, all right. In our little DMs, me and Jazz have a DMs where we talk all the time, and we talk about everything. Jez basically admitted to me that he's a Nintendo fanboy now. <laughs> Literally yeah. admitted to him. He's like, I'm more excited about what Nintendo's doing than what Xbox is doing. And and why is that, Jez? Because you feel fun. Nintendo makes better content than Microsoft does. Well, I'm just like, I'm more excited about the, the lineup, you know, the Met, like the Metroid Prime tees, you know, and, and stuff like that. And you know that Nintendo generally doesn't, fault on their core franchises you know whereas like i've like we you said earlier when it comes to microsoft we've come to expect sort of 60 70 meta for the, for a lot of their games so like and also even if the games are decent 
like I, I loved Quantum Break, that they've got a tendency to not commit, you know? Like Quantum Break 2 could have fixed all the problems with Quantum Break 1 and hit 90 on matter, but they didn't commit, you know? They didn't have to get all the Hollywood celebrities back and explode the budget. It could have just been like control, but with a, with a different brand, and it could have been big, you know? And But they don't commit. They don't commit, man. Whereas, can you see Nintendo not committing? Nintendo uh, commits, yeah, they overcommit. I mean, it's all they have, though. It's it's Nintendo. All they have is is that, you know. So but that's 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 one of the issues with Microsoft is that it's never desperate for them. You know, the Wii U era for Nintendo was a desperate time for them. Yes, it was a desperate time. But the thing is, Microsoft never has that desperation because they're such a huge company, and Xbox doesn't really matter to them as a company, as a corporation in the grand scheme of things. It matters to Team Xbox, obviously, and of course, but Microsoft as a as a big company, it's it's just sort of incidental to them. You know, it's not core to their you know for do anything. You re- do you remember back when the, the Wii U was bombing as one of the worst modern consoles of all time, selling that is, and people were so sure that this is it for Nintendo, they're gonna go third party. And everyone's like, yeah, who loved Nintendo games on my Xbox and PlayStation? Yeah. And then they come out with the Switch, and now they're selling faster than even the PlayStation 4 was at the same point in the life I've, cycle. Dude, I've got to throw like, my hands up, man. When, when I saw that first Nintendo Switch advert, I thought it was stupid. I looked at that, and I was like, what the hell is that? And they, they showed the trailer with, like, people playing it at parties and stuff. like On the rooftop, yeah. On the rooftop. And I thought, oh my God, that just looks really dumb. But when I went to a conference in Florida, what, what were people doing? Playing they, were play, they were playing Smash Bros. at a party, you know, literally like the advert said they would. Because it's just that easy to do. You unclip, you unclip the controllers, and boom! You, all of a sudden, it's two-player local co-op. You know, yeah. It's, uh, it's just, it's so convenient. It's it, they've really nailed that form factor, and they've got the IP to match. You know, whereas um, Xbox, Microsoft abandoned mobile completely, gave up on it, wrote off a billion dollars worth of Nokia, per, however many, it's more than a billion dollars. They completely wrote, wrote off their Nokia purchase, fired everyone. Gave up on mobile hardware, which is a big mistake, I still think. Um, and also, they don't invest in any of the franchises that they invested in, like Quantum Break, like Recore, and you know. And people always bring up Scalebound as well, which probably looked better than it would have been in, in reality. But that's another thing, you know. And you know what happened to Phantom Dust? Phantom Dust was supposed to come back, and that disappeared. We haven't heard from Fable in a million years. Lionhead got shut down. It's like there's just so many examples of reasons to not trust Microsoft's efforts in that space right now. And like, I'm not surprised the hardcore fans are questioning. Are there any reasons to trust Microsoft at all? You see, I don't care about Microsoft. This is one thing people need to realize about me. I couldn't care less about anything they do at Microsoft. I like Xbox. I couldn't care less about any of their other initiatives that they have at Microsoft. Because I guess there there are people who are Xbox fans, like me. But then there are also people who are Microsoft fans, who just love everything Microsoft does. I don't give a crap about anything else Microsoft does other than Xbox. And it, I, I'm going to bring up this thing here. Uh, three words that make you sad. Jazz. <laughs> Windows Phone died. But the thing is, man, I see... I see everything through the lens of Xbox, you know. I see it like I see it like 
they got rid of Windows Phone, right? And yes, now, now, which was now great. No, but no, it wasn't great because now, now they have to beg Google and Apple I'm kidding, to expand on their devices. You know, <laughs> Carl. I, 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 like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really care either. But it's like I see it through that the anal- analytical way that now you know Microsoft's probably going to have to pay Apple. Apple some kind of fee to have xCloud on iOS. Hey man, that those are the breaks. You know, business That's the thing. If, if as they, winners and losers, and Microsoft lost with the Windows Phone. I mean, come on, they gave up. They didn't I mean, lose, they gave up. Yeah, they could have. They could have. That's but, the thing. I'm just seeing it through that lens, man. I know. And, um, I, I get it. And yeah, Microsoft. They got to pay the piper. Like, yeah, now iOS and Android. They got to pay a fee to Apple. All these different things. That's what happens. But uh, Carl says, hey, Rand, we know that you all have a Microsoft Office tattoo. That's right, right on my ass cheek. And uh, <laughs> DI Almighty Spartan God says, don't trust Microsoft, don't trust Sony, don't trust any company, they're not your friends. That's 100% true. That's true uh, as well. Don't trust any company. And don't trust any politicians while we're on this topic. Yeah, politicians. Don't even trust Jez Corden of Randall Thorne either. Well, no, you can trust me. You can trust me. I'm a good guy. Wait, you can't trust me? No, you can trust Jez as well. But okay. politicians, don't trust them. Don't trust them whatsoever. Um, God, what else? What else? Uh, what were we talking about? I don't uh, know. Kind of, uh, kind of dovetailed there into three. You know what? Delilah HD, speaking of that whole um, like three words that make you sad. You know Delilah? Yeah. Delilah's did you see her awesome. tweet the other yes, day? Yes, I did. Yes. What do you think? Uh, about there's, it? there's there's a lot of uh, so Delilah tweeted basically a huge list of all the failed Microsoft things like phone, Zune, you know, Groove being shut down and It was basically know. a list of all the things that Microsoft has failed at failed at over the course of time, and it's a lot. It is a lot. Yes, it is it is it is quite a lot. Um, that's the thing, but that's that's goes back to my whole point. Like Sony for Sony and Nintendo, this stuff is crucial. It is crucial to them to nail this stuff, you know. And it's like when it's it's so funny, you know, when you play a Nintendo game, there's no bugs. There's there's no there's no such thing as a bug in a Nintendo game. I mean like no, not like game breaking bugs and stuff. I mean there's there's famous bugs like missing number and pokemon and stuff like that but it's not like the games break and crash and all that stuff nothing like anthem or division and and like crackdown the mess that, that was in like because that that stuff is nailing that stuff is crucial to them can i you ask know? you a question sure what game are you playing right now i'm playing my time at poor right now my time at port okay uh, <laughs> shout out to L. I'm mining copper. I'm mining copper ore in my time at Portia so I can build a machine that'll let me craft a bridge because a nice bear in the town asked me to repair his bridge for him. All right. So shout out to L. Emenopia. He says Google's trying to get in an industry that demands years of building a brand to notoriety. Google has a ways to go. Potentially, yeah, depending on all the specifics that we don't know about. They could, they could easily fall flat in their face, or what if they come in and dominate? Who really knows the answers to these questions? We'll find it's out. It's like Microsoft was laughing about Chromebooks, you know. Yeah, they, they laughed were, about the iPhone. One of the one of the most famous things. Steve Ballmer sitting there at the interview, laughing about the iPhone, like the biggest consumer product of the past what uh, ten years or so, and he laughed. He laughed, and this was the guy in charge of Microsoft. 
well, you know, they paid for it there, but but at the same time, it could be like hubris on Google's side. They could be thinking, "Oh, this is going to be easy. We're going to cakewalk this." Blah blah blah. And so, but Google's not a stranger to failure either. I mean, no, they shut down stuff just as much as Microsoft does. Yeah, the, the day the day they announced Stadia, they shut down Google Plus finally for consumers. So, like, they they tried to sweep that whole thing under the rug. I'm waiting for the day they shut down YouTube. <laughs> oh my god! One of the, one of these days, but uh. So, Jez, a question here. I saw this article. Um, PlayStation 5 and the X- next Xbox will be the last consoles ever. No. By an analyst. Uh, analyst is wrong. Christino Amon, the president of a tech firm called Qualcomm, basically says, there's no question in our view that the cloud is the new console. The you are just going to start playing on any device, on any screen. That is going to be the future of gaming. And he well, basically says Qual- that... Qualcomm would say that. You, you know who Qualcomm is, right? Of course. I, I know who Qualcomm is, yes. They would say that. Because for those who don't know, Qualcomm makes ARM chips that power pretty much all mobile devices. Mm. Yeah. So they have a reason to say this, basically. They have a vested interest in consoles dying. Yes, they do, because it means they can swoop in and turn every device into a mobile device mm-hmm. and kill Apple and all the rest of them all at the same time. So Not PlayStation Apple, 5, the odds, the odds of PlayStation 5 and Xbox 2, the next Xbox being the last consoles, I think are slim to none. Mm. I think there'll be a P- PlayStation 6, and I definitely think there'll be an Xbox 3 or whatever you want to call it. I still yeah. think they need next gen and the gen after to convince people that streaming is a viable way to actually play your games. Yeah. They're not going to be able to do it in one gen. Absolutely not. Because it took people time to really even get accustomed to buying games digitally and leaving their physical games behind. So it's going to take time to get people accustomed to not even owning your games and streaming them. So I think you're good to go for consoles until 2032 ish. So two more generations, I think, before maybe the possibility exists of consoles going away. However, I will say, I will say this though, because I was thinking about this, because I think I'll make a video about it tomorrow. I think mm-hmm. there is a possibility that there is no PS6 and Xbox Two if this one thing happens, Jazz. What thing? And that if and that is if Google Stadia comes out. Stadia and just completely destroys everything. Showing that consumers are ready to stream. And mm. since we know this industry is nothing full of copycats, if that actually happens, I could see Microsoft and PlayStation accelerating in their plans to get rid of a console future. Oof. But I don't think Stadia is going to blow the competition's doors off. So I don't think it's going to happen. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen. Thing is that there there are like there are like law, the laws of physics to consider. Like even if like internet speeds get super duper fast at a local level, did the distances involved screw things over? And also, then you have infrastructure issues and stuff like that. You know, I think like I mean, even people always say, "Oh, oh what if your internet's disconnected?" But it's like, yeah, so what? It's disconnected like twice a year or something. But when it comes to um, 
people who don't live near high speed internet. And like, then you've got the whole, the whole question of data caps in America and, and Australia as well, which both of both countries don't have very competitive broadband markets due to corruption, but we won't talk about that here. Uh, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, there are things that will stop streaming proliferating to a point where local hardware becomes obsolete. I think like, I think it could be two or three generations even. And then you have to think about World War Three. Are we all going to die by then? Well, if like that's that. the case, then we don't need video games either way. All I'm saying is if, 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 and this is a gigantic if, if you have PlayStation 5 and Xbox 2 out, but they see significant downturn because Google just sucks up everything and shows that consumers are ready for that console's future, then... Just like how they copied the Wii U or the Wii motion controls with connect and move. And they'll basically, they'll, they'll see that they're losing money and consumers to Google and that they need to accelerate their plans uh, for streaming. That's the only possible way. And it's, it's, a, it's a slim scenario. Like I give it like a 5% chance of happening that PS5 and Xbox 2 are the last consoles. Mm. that's like literally the only way i could see it happening is if google just completely dominates and amazon comes in and dominates showing that streaming is the basic viable only viable way to do it that's it indeed but i don't think it's going to happen but um sekiro jazz sekiro sekiro uh easy mode so we all know from software's games are built up on this idea of challenge and overcoming the challenge. And they make their games extremely difficult. I don't even say Sekiro's extremely difficult. It's hard. It's not extremely difficult. Um, it basically requires you to learn the game and overcome the challenges presented within, right? Wow, you're some kind of badass. No, I'm not a badass. I mean... I don't know. There's this little bit of uh, of people that be like, I beat I beat Sekiro, so it means I'm amazing, or whatever. It's like it doesn't mean that, you know. Like it doesn't mean anybody's better than anybody else because they beat Sekiro or some Dark Souls games. But there there is a sense of that in within the community that loves those games, that sees these games as like the ultimate test of gamer skill, right? <laughs> um, but because of it, uh, there's been a lot of talk that Sekiro should have. Uh, easy difficulty. So if gamers who are disabled or gamers who maybe don't have the time or don't want to put in the time, uh, who, are, who aren't just as skilled as some other gamers out there, they want to be able to play it, uh, but don't want to like you know beat their head over it. I mean, what do you think about the whole uh, easy difficulty talk uh, surrounding the game? Quite honestly, I think... If an artist wants his art to be a certain way, his or her art to be a certain way, I think they should do it like that. I don't think like I don't think they sh- I don't think game devs should be mandated to build their games however they don't want to build them. If they want if they want the mar- their their game to be you know build as the super hardest game and there's no other option but to get good, you know, I think that's fine. I think like, and I think that's fine because I I don't play those games. I suck at them, and I'm impatient, 
I don't play Battle Royale either because I'm impatient. I don't want to sit in a corner hiding. I don't want to wait ages for a new match to respawn. I just want to get back into the game. That's why I play Battlefield. That's why I play Call of Duty and Overwatch. You know, so I think it's okay for a game to not be for everyone. That said, I do think like games should always have accessibility options for those who have disabilities if it's applicable. And the thing is about Sekiro is that they have shown there are Twitch streamers with, um, you know, disabilities and stuff who have been able to complete Dark Souls and Sekiro, you know, using custom controllers and stuff like that. So it's, it's, a, it's a complicated topic, you know, because for, for someone who is genuinely disabled and, and feels like they're being excluded from something because it's not been designed for them, um, that just sucks, right? There's, there's no question about that. But I don't feel like that's what's happening with Sekiro. I feel like, I genuinely don't feel like they're, they're just being exclusionary for the sake of it. I feel like it's just part of the art of the game. You know, they want to capture that essence. And I think it's fine to enjoy that difficulty too. What What isn't fine is how defensive and some people get over it and how like, you know, people attacking everyone on all sides. Like I've seen like people, genuinely good people, who've like been on what the side of it not being not being a not needing an easy mode who've just like been attacked by friends who just want to be like they want to espouse to a certain ideal you know i don't think it's fine to attack people over that but i i see it from both sides of the argument never attack anybody like that yeah, it's not, you know. I but I see it from both sides of the argument, but I I don't think it needs a hard mode because you know, I don't think games need to be for everyone. You know, especially I think like it's important that we support artists if they want it, the game to be a certain way, then I think that's fine personally. What do you think? Man, I have so many different thoughts on this thing. Like I agree with you. I think it's up to the creator. Like, if From Software wants to put in an easy mode, then I'd be all for it. They don't want to put an easy mode in, then it's their game. It's their game. They should make the game however they want. I also feel that this conversation has... There's a conversation surrounding easy difficulty, but a lot of people conflate it with accessibility. And 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 they think easy means accessible, right? When that's not necessarily the case. Like from, like Sekiro actually has really good accessibility options. You uh, can customize the keybinds and all that yeah, sort of you stuff. Can do right? The whole controller remapping. Uh, you can turn. Um, you know, there's auto lock on. You can basically turn the camera slower or as fast as possible. I mean, they have a lot of good accessibility options, and I do agree that you know a developer should make their game as accessible to everybody as possible. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything to do with difficulty. Just like, hey, you know, are you colorblind? Then we have a colorblind mode for you. You know, Uh, things of that nature. Like trying to make the game as playable to anybody as it can. But, I mean, easy. I mean, Sekiro is about the challenge, right? So if you do remove the challenge, part part of the game's core philosophy is learning the game's moves, understanding what the game is asking of you, 
and then overcoming that. So if you do make a easier difficulty that changes the core fundamental philosophy of Sekiro. Now that's not to say they couldn't do it because they could easily like Cuphead, for instance, Cuphead had a normal mode and then an easy mode. Uh, but you couldn't beat the game on easy. They actually prevented you from beating the final boss and bosses had, uh, they didn't have as many forms as they did. So there's ways to do it. Uh, but that required- I think Celeste had a pretty good implementation where did. Um, Celeste was like, we intend for this game to be a challenge in the old school way, but you know, we've got, you know, a Taylor, Taylor difficulty to yourself mode or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I love Celeste. I played it without the assists on and maybe that's one of the reasons why I did, but the devs like, we want anybody to play this. And for people who can't, we have these options, but some of the options didn't really feel like accessible. They just felt like cheat codes. You could turn invincibility on so you could never die. You can turn on ultimate air dashes. So you basically flew through a level. It felt more like cheating than it did like playing the game. I, there's, a, there's an aspect of when, when it also almost becomes patronizing, you know, well, that's like, how, how, like how easy do you want it to be? You know? So um, look, I, I obviously I can't, I'm not disabled, so I can't speak for that, but I think there's also some pretentiousness there to say that easy mode needs to be there for disabled people implying that disabled people want things to be easier rather than giving them the same challenge that everybody else, you know, experiences. Yeah. It's like, if you, if you take you, you, that's another thing. You're not just taking it away for abled people. You're taking it away for disabled people. If you make it easy, you know, so there are disabled gamers who enjoy dark souls. Yeah. And I, I, you know, you can look at it from the business thing. If Sekiro included a easy mode, would that increase sales? I mean, you think it would because that means it would be more accessible to more people. But I honestly don't think that's necessarily the case. They just announced that they sold 2 million copies in in 10 days. I think From Software's business model is based around those games being insanely difficult. So for their business, they probably don't really want to make it easy because I could see a scenario where they make an easy mode or whatever. And some of the hardcore get completely turned off by that. So they don't buy the game. And I honestly think most of the people, no, not most, some of the people complaining about this, about how there needs to be an easy mode, really don't care about the game at all and really don't want to play it in the first place. They just want to be outraged on Twitter. Oh, there's definitely an, an you know what I mean? like there's definitely an aspect. A lot of those people who want an easy mode wouldn't play or buy the game even if there was an easy mode because people are always looking for the next thing to complain about. And it just so happens that every time From Software makes a game and it's difficult, the same argument comes up over and over and over again. Um, but at the same time, if they added an easy mode, it wouldn't bother me personally. Personally, I I, don't, I wouldn't care. That's the thing. If they added an easy mode, would I? I wouldn't cry about it because I'd be like, "Cool, that's their decision to make." You know? Yeah, I wouldn't care. Like, I'd be if they did it cynic. If they did it in a cynical way to appease, you know, the uh, the outrage mob, then I think that'd be unfortunate. But if they if they if they just sort of wanted to do it, then why not? Yeah, I mean, like, 
me beating Halo on Legendary, there's not nothing like if someone beats Halo on Easy doesn't take away from me beating Halo on Legendary. So same thing applies for Sekiro. Me beating Sekiro on whatever normal difficulty is that From made wouldn't take away from somebody else beating Sekiro on Easy. Like that's just how I feel. So it's like I'm I, I'm I'm down with whatever From Software wants to do. I'm down. If they don't want to not make a hard, if they don't want to make an easy mode, I support that. And if they want to, I support that. Uh, basically is what it comes down to. But I just think, I feel like this whole conversation was co-opted by people in some people in the media who hide behind the disabled and the accessibility argument to claim that they need an easy mode because they themselves don't want to actually play the game and learn the game and try to overcome it. They So there is, I definitely do feel there are prominent gaming members of the media who aren't that good at the game who want the easy mode but they hide behind the accessibility and disabled to you know reach their claims i, I do feel like that's an actual thing yeah i agree there's, de- there's definitely aspects of that yeah but like it's it's annoying because you have to remember disabled people are individuals too and you can't speak for them but a lot of people try and speak for them and it's like yeah, all disabled people want an easy mode. That ain't the case because I've spoken to I've spoken to plenty of people with disabilities who don't think it needs an easy mode. So it's yep. uh, the co-opting thing definitely happens, but it's it's a tough issue, you know. Because this issue was going to crop up again whenever they release their next game. Yeah, and if it look if they make everybody makes us think about this, right? And in their next game, if there's not an easy mode, then you should know what From Software feels about that, right? You should know that, okay, they've heard you and they've decided, you know what, we're going to make the game the way we want to make it. And I, I, I remember seeing a tweet from Shane Bettenhausen, who works at Sony, who said that when they were doing Demon Souls and were localizing it for North America and bringing it over, he went to them and asked them to add an easy mode. Or what do you think about adding an easy mode for the North American release? And, uh, you know, the president of From Software said to him, basically, you you fundamentally misunderstand our game then. Mm. Which that's says all you need to know. Um, but on to Xbox leaks, E3 leaks, Jazz. E3 leaks? Hell I yeah. think you saw this thing that people sent me and i'm sure people hit you up about it because I'm, I'm sure people want to know what's going to be at e3 like jez do you, do you have the inside scoops what's going on in e3 jez? jez tell me what's happening what's microsoft doing give me the scoops right scoops give me all those juicy scoops and i don't know i, I was don't know the day i was sent the same stuff and it's just like how true is this and i'm like well it's the most safe and boring prediction list I've ever seen in my life. As far as it being a leak, most of that stuff is going to be true. Halo Infinite being at the show, shocker. Oh my God. Gears 5 being at the show, stop the presses, right? Um, they, the guy said, what, t- minimum of two world premieres, one studio acquisition, a new Xbox first party games? This dude went balls to the wall with his predictions here, huh? Uh, <laughs> they're going to talk about xCloud and Xbox Live and next-gen consoles? I, I, I swear, <laughs> sometimes people fall for this stuff. 
And it's not even interesting. There was like, oh, a new Dino Crisis? Like, people haven't been asking for a new Dino Crisis for years. A brand new Splinter Cell? Holy shit. A, a game that, like, Ubisoft themselves are openly talking about. Like, <laughs> anything new or noteworthy in this thing? Because when I read it, I literally laughed out loud. I laughed out loud because there was nothing new that you couldn't... Like, if I was going to try to predict exactly what Microsoft was going to do, that's almost what exactly I would have said. Hey, Halo's going to be there. Gears is going to be there. Battletoads and Ori are going to be there. Uh, Playground's going to be there with Fable. Ninja Theory's going to be there with this game. They're going to talk... I mean, it was li- it's literally the safest thing you could possibly say. Doesn't mention, oh, there's going to be a studio acquisition, but what studio is it? Is it IO Interactive? Is it some different studio? Is it Relic? Uh, like, come on, give me something here. Give me something that nobody knows. Like people, like all the stuff in there was just the safest, boringest shit I've ever seen. Sam, Tober, mad. Sam Tober says it wasn't even a leak. It was the predictions of the developer and clickbite site. Clickbite sites insisted the fact he was a developer meant it was a leak. Yeah, and they ran with this whole thing that oh, he was verified on Reset Era which supposedly means something. So take this information and, oh my God, but it's a room. Oh my God. Come on. Come on. <laughs> better than this. That's why I spent like the first three minutes of my video making fun of it. Because it was just, it's so ludicrous. It's it's ludicrous. Will Splinter Cell be there? I mean, I hope. I've been predicting a Splinter Cell game forever because I legit know someone who's played Splinter Cell. Back a couple years ago, before that version was canceled, unfortunately, right? You mean canceled and repurposed into a mobile game? No, it wasn't repurposed in a mobile game. It was straight up canceled. But they could use that work into whatever they're doing for a future Splinter Cell game, right? Future mobile game. <sighs> like, <laughs> a people, because I get tagged in this stuff all day long. Like on my Twitter, like new PlayStation 5 predictions. Oh my God, PS5 leaks. Oh my God, PlayStation, like uh, Xbox stuff. All it's, le- it's leak season, man. All the time. Pe- people just people just hungry for info. Like it's leak season. Did you see that whole thing about Nintendo Direct the other day? GamingIntel.com said there'd be a Nintendo Direct about stuff. And they just straight up wasn't one. It was like just made up. Yeah, people people are hungry for info. Yeah, but the thing is, the season. you can make this the season, prediction right? thing because, I mean, like I said, I'll eventually do a prediction video, right? And a lot of that stuff that it was in that leak is going to be in my video because it's just 100% common sense, you know? I, look at it. He says Gears Tactics exists this year. I disagree. I don't think Gears Tactics exists this year. Do, do, do you have any, do, what do you think about Gears Tactics, Jazz? Nope. I don't think Gears um, 94. 90% sure Gears Tactics is not this year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 2020. Battletoads. I don't think Battletoads is this year either. I think Two Battle- Gears in one year seems too much. Well, I think Gears Pop is coming up. Well, are you saying so it would be Gears Pop, Gears 5, and having three Gears games this year would be overkill? So you have the mobile game and you'll have the uh, you have the mainline console title and then next year would be the RTS? Yes, I think, uh, well... The strategy game. I don't know if it's an RTS, bro. Yeah, I think I think uh, tactics is next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, playground games working on Fable, a hundred percent. It's the worst kept secret in the in the whole video game industry right now. 
<laughs> Everybody knows play, Fable being worked on by play, Playground. You know, the question is, will Microsoft show it this year? Will will they say, you know what? Even though, even though I personally think Fable is farther out than most people, you think they're going to show it this year, Jez? Because I'm not really too convinced they will yet. I'm not super convinced either. To be fair, I mean, it would be a nice thing. You can end the show with Fable. You don't even need to really show gameplay. You can end the show with uh, a, a great two minute teaser of Fable by Playground, uh, a next gen title, which it, it is. Uh, and get people really excited about the return of Fable and a really big AAA RPG production from Microsoft. I think they should, because then you could do the gameplay reveal in 2020. But I guess it all depends on when Fable's going to be ready. I mean, I think at the earliest you'll see it as 2021, but realistically it might be 2022. Yeah. No? I mean, I'm sure there's people talking to to Phil and Matt Booty and all the people who put together this stuff and be like, you know what? Hold off. Hold off on Fable until next year. Because I'm hearing that third parties are begging Microsoft and fighting over the slots to show their games at E3 because Sony took their ball and went home. Jazz. Do you think do you think there'll be a longer E3 because of that? Three hours? I think four it could hours? be the longest one they've done, but yeah. I literally have heard You're on the risk of making people fall asleep. that third parties are banging on Microsoft's door to get stage time. Like the, all of them, you know, are just, are just banging on Microsoft's door. Like, please, we got this game that's coming out this year. We need a place to show it. Cause Sony was like, eh, we got nothing. We got, we got nothing right now. I'm sorry. We showed everything we had back in 2016. But we got nothing right now. I didn't think of that aspect of it. The fact that Sony isn't there kind of hurts some of the third parties now. Because Microsoft ain't going to be able to have everything. Yeah, I mean, I, so yeah, do you, do, you, do you just be like, all right, we, we'll get some more third party stuff. We'll, uh, we'll keep Fable on the back burner for a 2020 reveal, really kind of show it off. Um you know, I don't even really expect Halo Infinite to have a gameplay trailer. Do you? I, I honestly don't think there'll be a gameplay reveal for Halo Infinite E3. I think it'll just be like a mm. a story trailer of some kind. Yeah, you still have to do one for next year for E3 next year. That could like that could just do another one next year. I think I think there's a good chance we'll see some form of gameplay for Halo this year. Maybe, I, but I think it'll be in trailer form. I don't think it'll be like. I don't think it'd be the game the, the gameplay that you'll see then when you'll be playing the game in 2020. I think it'll just be I think Master Chief will talk. I think it'll be a story thing. Um as far as like Microsoft's first party, hundred percent Ninja Theory's game is gonna be there. Hundred percent. Uh I also think it's gonna launch next year. Now I'm still kind of torn. I'm still torn on it being a launch title alongside Forza Motorsport 8 and Halo Infinite and Killer Instinct 2. Uh, So I'm kind of torn because it makes sense to me. But then also, I'm hearing it's kind of close to release almost. Or really close. Like, closer than you would think. Mm. Like, where it could launch early next year, middle of next year, before the consoles. But then at that point, it's like, why not just... Why not just save it for the console release? But then again, you think about like Sony, 
and I'm pretty sure that Stranding's 2020, and I'm I'm pretty positive Ghost of Tsushima's 2020. So it's like, are they both going to hold those both games until the PlayStation 5, or were they s- sprinkling them out throughout the year leading up to the PlayStation 5? Too many questions to get up. Many, uh, many questions. Answer them. Do you think Death Stranding releases before PS5? I'm pretty sure Death Stranding's 2020, and I'm pretty sure Ghost of Tsushima's 2020. I'm not sure about Last of Us 2. Hmm. There's a, I think there's a slim chance it releases this year. Um, but I, I, I guess it. They're already making. Um, I saw. Shout out to the PlayStation Bra. He linked to, uh, Bra PlayStation Bra. Uh, he linked to, uh, action figures for Death Stranding. <laughs> so I- they're making that. Yeah, they're making action figures for Death Stranding already. So it must be pretty close, right? There's also going to be a Hideo Kojima action figure, I think. Of course, of course, there would be. I'm so going to buy that. I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe Death Stranding is this year. I just, I have a very strong feeling that it's not. But either way, mm. it's one of those things. The, the point is not so much to compare the lineups. I'm just saying, at what point do you're like, all right, well, we know Ninja Theory's game can release before launch of the next gen consoles. Do we? release it in March or do we hold it until the release of the console and have it as a launch title? And the same thing with Sony. It's like, well, Ghost of Shima's 2020. Do we release it in March or hold it for, you know, a a launch lineup title? Mm. And I'm sure there's a lot more that actually goes into those discussions. Uh, One being like, is the game actually going to be done by then? Um, But I'm starting to lean more into Ninja Theory's game releasing uh, in the first half of next year, but revealed at uh, revealed at E3 this year. And I also feel a lot of people are going to be disappointed by it. Really? Yes. Wow. 100%. 100%. Because it's not, a, it's, it's not going to be a single-player story cinematic action game like Hellblade was. It's not. 100%. What do you think it's going to be then? It's a it's a it's a multiplayer game. It's a third party a, a third person action multiplayer title. Hmm. Bleeding Edge, codename Bleeding Edge. It's basically the game they were working on when Microsoft bought them, which is why it's so close to coming out. Ah. But I think a lot of people will undoubtedly see that it's a multiplayer focused title and assume that Microsoft made them make that. And they'll say that Microsoft is destroying Ninja Theory. Even though the head of Ninja Theory, uh, I forget his name, went on record and be like, don't expect games like Hellbathe from us. Uh, that's not what we're going to be doing in the future. And and FG Violent, I see you. He says, Rand is blasphemous. You don't think it'll be good. I didn't say I, I didn't think it'll be good. I just said I think people will be disappointed by what it is. I think people think it's going to be Hellblade 2 or some single-player cinematic story-driven game when it's not. And trust me, I love Ninja Theory games, so I know it's going to be good. I love DMC, and I love Enslaved. I'm down for whatever they make. It'll be a great game. I just think I just have this feeling people think that they're going to be making some single-player cinematic game, which this game isn't. So. F. 
And I mean, uh, so like outside of that, Microsoft's first party, you know, Gears is going to be there. You know, Halo's going to be there. You know, Ori's going to be there. Battletoads more than likely, which isn't really a first party title, but a Microsoft Game Studios. Ninja Theory is going to be there. Uh, who else do they got? Uh, Age Vampires. Okay, Age of Vampires. But any of the other studios that they recently purchased, are any of them going to have anything ready to show at this year? Um, that might show some Wasteland stuff. Wasteland 3 from uh, In Exile. Um, yeah, but that's also got Bard's Tower coming to consoles. That's, PlayStation 2. That's. Yeah, but Wasteland 3 is already announced. Uh, I mean, sure, and Obsidian's uh, Outer Worlds will be there as well. Uh, but I'm talking specifically on what they're making for Microsoft. That's probably too far out, isn't it? 100%. Like, what about the people that say we're going we're gonna to see a tease for Initiatives game? Yeah, I think that's too far out. I think that's way too far out, right? They are they are working they are actively working on something though because there was a dev tweeting about doing research in the in the city recently. They're, so they're working on something. It's very mysterious. I, I almost feel Microsoft needs Fable to be there. Because when you when you get down to what it is, it'll just be Halo Infinite and Gears 5 and Ori 2, which is known. Hmm. Ninja Theory's game will should be releasing soon. So I, I kind of feel for that umph, especially with Sony not going to be there. You wow them with Fable, and you wow them with the two-minute trailer of it. You don't got to show gameplay. I think it'd be good if Microsoft, like, I don't know, sort of got the guts to announce something that's further out. So I know they got really burned by Scalebound, mm-hmm. and they got burned by announcing Crackdown early. But, like, I think it'd be good to see some confidence from them again and announce something that's a little bit further out. Like, they announced Age of Empires 4 pretty early. And, like, you've got, like, Bethesda announcing Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield, which are miles away, years away, two or three years away, maybe. So, like, at least we know they're coming. And historically, since Scalebound, it hasn't really been Microsoft's modus operandi to announce things early, but I would like them to personally. Yeah. I mean, I would like to like them to either, but either way, like, I don't know. I'll, I'll sit down when I make my predictions and think about it, but like, I kind of feel like Microsoft needs to unveil a fable, just tease it a little bit, a game that's a little bit farther away, uh, but maybe nothing, but, but maybe they don't either way. The video will come out. And now jazz, Tell me about Sea of Thieves, bro. Oh yeah, Sea of Thieves. Uh, you you got to play the new anniversary update, which is coming out on April thirtieth. You got to experience the arena, the Tall Tales, which is the single player story or story in in Sea of Thieves. Is this going to get me back in, Jazz? Am I going to experience a great single player in in, in Sea of Thieves? Like, I mean, if you're expecting The Last of Us, no. Oh well, no, I don't obviously. <laughs> But um, the the whole point of the story in Sea of Thieves is that it still th- tries to throw you into these dynamic situations where people can screw you over. Like all the all the quest items for the story mode are still physical objects, 
So they can be stolen. You still have to look after them. They can be swallowed by a megalodon. They can sink with your ship when you get killed by a kraken and stuff like that. So it's still all part of the dynamic shared world. And if you don't like that, then you're not going to like the anniversary update. Simple as. But um, I will say that it's going to get me back into it because I had a lot of fun with it. And uh, what they're doing is pretty ambitious and unique, actually. So basically, there's going to be... First of all, they've hired professional voice actors instead of just having developers do the voiceovers, which is which was the case at the start of the game. Um, so now there's professional voice actors. The, there's like cinematic music. You still there's still no like controlled cutscenes. It's still like they described it as being like Half Life Two, where you still have control of your character and you just sort of follow characters around as they're talking and stuff like that. And um, they send you on these procedurally generated missions. They give you a they give you a journal that says like um, our ship ran aground. Uh, and then it will proceed to regenerate a place and it'll be like, you know, hinting, hinting to where you need to go. And there'll be like several different sort of, there'll be several different versions of where you can go, but they all sort of lead to the same story points and the same NPCs that have voiceovers and stuff like that. So, but like when there's multiple people on a server trying to do the quests, the server will dynamically send people to different places so that they don't overlap or they try not to overlap or whatever. So, our quest, um, we had to hunt down something called the Shroud Breaker, which, if I remember right, was an object that would allow us to get to a new a new island in Sea of Thieves, which Rare described as the largest the largest landmass in the game so far it's a new island um but to get there we need an ancient relic and to get the ancient relic we have to track it down indiana jones style researching where it is reading journals deciphering riddles um that and diagrams which seem like more involved than the the current treasure chests in the game and um effectively we uh we ended up in a, a new area, which was like a walled-off tomb on one of the islands in the game, but um, as we entered into this wall, this area, the wall, the the wall sort of closed behind us, and then we were in a trap room, and water started pouring in like it was Indiana Jones or something, and uh, and we had to solve a puzzle before we drowned, which was really 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 fun, um, and the puzzle like wasn't super easy either. It wasn't like a brain dead puzzle. And every time you failed the puzzle, uh, the water started getting faster as well. So like it really gave that sort of feel of Indiana Jones, uh, temple of doom, you know, where he's like trapped in that puzzle, uh, trap room and the, the ceilings coming down to squash him and stuff like that. And, uh, there are nine of these like little missions that string together into a single narrative. And they were saying they're going to add more every every so often to you know tell these tales. There'll be unique cosmetic rewards and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it was basically it. It was, but it's it's still all within the Sea of Thieves world. It's not going to be like taking control away from players um, and stuff like that. But it, it gives you like new mechanics. Um, there's going to be some new tools added to the game as well. Um, they're adding grappling hooks to all the ships, so you can like you know, 
if a ship's trying to flee from you, you can stick a grappling hook in it to stop it from escaping. There's uh, obviously fishing mode, which is a fully fleshed out system rather than just sort of like a gimmick or an emote. So it's by far the biggest update they've done so far. And it really does make the world feel like it has a lot more depth. But honestly, I think like if you don't like what Sea of Thieves is today, like where you sort of have to make your own fun and it's sort of like it revolves around player interaction, I don't think this is going to massively change your perception of the game. But like if you just wanted a reason to jump back in with your friends and, and you did enjoy maybe like having a couple of missions and then got bored, I think it'd be worth jumping back in to check out. But I still like yearn for that vertical gameplay. Like there's no real progression in the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of interested in seeing how the story stuff plays out. So I will actually jump back on the game and play it. Uh, What about uh, the arena mode? Okay, so arena mode was surprisingly good, actually. So I was, um, I wrote as soon as I heard about arena mode, I pretty much wrote it off because it reminded me of um, when Elite Dangerous tried basically tried the same thing. And I, I think Elite Dangerous and Sea of Thieves have a lot of similarities in the sense that they're sort of gigantic open worlds with not a huge amount of active things to do, uh, but the player interaction is sort of what makes it to some degree in the community and stuff like that. Um, but like what uh, what they did in um, Elite Dangerous was that they sort of had the same problem where getting to those sort of special moments in the gigantic galaxy was hard. And, and you know, you sometimes in, I've played Sea of Thieves before and I'd be on for like 90 minutes and not see another player sometimes. And like, not that I even wanted to see another player, I guess, but you know, do you know what I mean? It's like sometimes getting to those special moments, those memorable dynamic moments is difficult. So what arena tries to do is it tries to condense everything down into 24 minute matches. So it does have the treasure seek treasure seeking mechanics. Um, and it's all PVP based. So every PVP action you take, whether it's shooting someone, damaging their ship, and all that, all the rest of it. All of those, all of those aspects increase your score, and you get more points. Blah blah. blah. And the team at the end of the match with the most points is the winner, and that gives you rep- representation with the PvP vendors, and that gives you special rewards and cosmetics and stuff like that. Again, with the cosmetics. So mm-hmm. there are. It was fun, man. You know, it was like. Basically, the match starts out and there's five galleons of four players and uh, everyone has to sort of dash off in different directions and try and hunt down the the treasure from these maps. And it's sort of like, you can play it in multiple ways. It's kind of like, do I do I wait and camp the, the hand in place for the chest and just try and steal it from people? Or do I sort of circle around the island in my boat and just gank people as they, as they get the chest for me? Or do I go for the chest myself and stuff like that? Or do I just completely ignore the chest and just try and get enough points by sinking ships and stuff like that? Although actually handing the chests in is what gives you the most points by far. So um, it was really cool. It was like really dynamic. And um, although I did say to Rare that I'm still not like a massive fan of 
I'm not a massive fan of their gunplay or their sword play mechanics. I think they're super clunky. Yeah, and um, they, that the the gunplay and the sword play in Sea of Thieves is not very good. Yeah, I I but, hate it. You know, like their 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 argument was that they are sort of rusty pirates. They're not sort of Call of Duty Marines and stuff like that. That was their argument. But I don't think there's an argument when like the hit detection feels off sometimes and like the hit markers don't feel as responsive as they probably could be or should be, you know? And like the, the weird auto aim on melee attacks is just really weird. And it's like, I hate it when like, you see if these, when you miss with a shotgun, it's like, Oh, I guess I'll die now. Like there's, there's hard, there's, it's like, there's no coming back from that. You're screwed a lot of the time. Um, and I know this, there's probably people there saying, well, you know, get good and stuff like that. But it's not fun enough t- for me to bother to get good <laughs> at the moment. So um, there's that aspect of it too. And they said like they'll, but they did say that Arena will put like a bigger focus on their combat. And if people like enjoy Arena but hate the um, combat mechanics, then it's something like they might look to improve down the line. But we'll see. But I think like it bodes well. And I think like Sea of Thieves is um it's it's a bit of an oddity for Microsoft because they've stuck with it, you know. And my, as we've know from Microsoft recently, they tend not to stick with things. So kudos to them for that. But um, as well, it's hard to compare Sea of Thieves to any other game. Like I say, like the Elite Dangerous thing is the closest thing I can compare it to. But even that isn't a great comparison, you know. So, true. Interesting. But, but they did. Uh, add, they did add fine. fishing for you finally. Huh? They did add they fishing. They did. They did. And the fishing stuff is actually really cool. So. It works pretty much works the same way as it does in Far Cry, where you have to lead the fish and make it tired, and then reel it in when it's tired. And if you don't, if you don't wait, the line will snap. It pretty much works the same way. But um, or there's like 50 fish to collect and catch, and they all like spawn in different places. Like some of them spawn in the Devil's Roar with the volcanoes. Some of them only spawn at night. Some of them need special bait um, and stuff like that. And then if you get them, you can cook them and hand it into the new this new cooking vendor who will give you reputation, reputation. I'm getting tired now. They give give you a reputation for um, finding it in and like the cooking system lets you cook food, which gives you a health boost and stuff like that. And, you know, just, just those minor tweaks to the game felt like it added a lot of depth. Like I can see me jumping on for a relaxing fish every now and then. You right know, and trying to collect all the fish and stuff like that like giving me that to grind is a good thing but that's the thing like that bothers me about sea of thieves is i don't really care so much about the cosmetic rewards you know it's like and the the cosmetic rewards that are there aren't that compelling like i've looked up the the best ones in the game and i don't think they look that cool i don't know it's it's a tasting but that's that's the problem when everything's cosmetic it's like whether you like it or not it's purely subjective I don't know. But so there is another topic that I wanted you to talk about because, well, I know it's important to you. Well, actually, you know what? Save that for one minute. You asked about Banjo coming to Smash Bros. 
<laughs> I did. Okay, so this is funny, right? Um, I just t- I just tell a bit of a story. So the other week, um, a chap DM'd me on Twitter asking about Banjo coming to Smash Brothers. It's probably the same person who DMs me all the time. <laughs> Maybe, but um, it's a nice it's a nice chap, and clearly a big Banjo fan, a big Smash Brothers fan. Um, and he was also asking me about Minecraft Steve, the Minecraft character coming to Smash Brothers as well. Now, like, I've asked around sources and stuff about this sort of stuff. You know, I'm I don't I'm not a big fan of either character, so it wasn't a big deal to me. But like from from conversations I've had, it looks it doesn't sound like Minecraft City would come to would come to Smash Brothers. Just because like when I ask people, they seem kind of negative about the idea. Although they, they never say definitively either way. It just doesn't seem like just the way they respond to my questions just don't fill me with confidence, you know? So I said to him, I wouldn't, I would a hundred percent not expect Minecraft Steve in smash brothers. And then that sort of, I didn't realize how big and passionate the smash brothers community is, but my, my sort of me saying that triggered a bit of a, you know, backlash from from people who are like, oh my god, you you just making things up, and people desperately want Minecraft Steam in Smash Brothers. I learned so, and also Banjo as well. So I asked uh, I asked people at Rare, you know, in a sort of if Banjo would come to Smash, and they laughed at me. They laughed at you. <laughs> they laughed at me. They laughed at you. They laughed at Jazz. They laughed at me. Like, so when are we getting Banjo in Smash? And they was like laughing at me. Mm. Uh, but uh, but again, they didn't say either way, so they didn't say yes or no. Just like uh, so, I guess it's still the possibilities up in the air. Microsoft and Nintendo are pretty cozy. Cuphead is releasing what next week on the uh, Nintendo Switch. Yeah. yeah. Um. There's rumors that Super Lucky's Tale and Ori are coming soon. Who knows? Maybe you'll see Sea of Thieves on a Nintendo Switch in the not too far future either. Maybe you should have asked that. You should be like, so when's this game coming to the Switch? It didn't even cross my mind. I didn't. I didn't think that'd be a thing, personally. Yeah, I did ask them if uh, see if these would come to Steam though. Interesting. And what was the response to that question? They said no. They said <laughs> no. Okay. They, they pretty much said we're happy with it on the Windows Store. Um, there's no plans to bring it to Steam, but you know, they just said there's no plans to bring it to Steam. They didn't even say, like, maybe in the future. They didn't even tease maybe in the future, but... All right, Jez. Bioware. 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 What is going on with the studio? They seem... Seems like they're in turmoil. wrote an expose on them. Jason Schreer must be EA's nightmare right now. Oh, dear. It's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Yeah, what, so what the heck is going on over there, man? Are they really that... God, reading those articles, talking about the belief in Bioware Magic, where the project is basically crap until the final end when it comes together and works, and how Anthem was just like a dumpster fire of a project. Mm. That Oh, man, like... <laughs> I know you're a Bioware fan, so... Well, I was... What's it like to basically hear that they're pretty poorly ran studio? The thing is, it, it was pretty obvious to me 
that that's the way it's been for ages. Like when um uh Mark is it Mark or Mike Laidlaw? Um I can't remember I can't remember whether his name's Mark or Mike Laidlaw. Someone probably can correct me in chat, but basically the, the lead developer for Dragon Age left the studio. And then um uh Jason Schreer basically said I mean, this was a few months ago. He said that Dragon Age had been rebooted internally, and then Bioware released a released a blog post, basically saying, basically responding to that. If I'm if I'm remembering it right, that they were saying like, yeah, we want to give Dragon Age the love and care it, it deserves, and all this stuff. And then last week, and then for context, Dragon Age is one of my favorite franchises ever. I think like I've probably got more hours in Dragon Age Origins than almost any other game, any other franchise except for Mass Effect, probably, on Xbox. And um, and then, so, then Jason Schreer, in Jason Schreer's write-up last week, or was it actually, was it just yesterday or the day before? He, he basically said that Dragon Age, the next Dragon Age is going to be a service game built yeah. built on Anthem's tool set. That it was, that it was uh, the previous Dragon Age 4 was cancelled, yeah. which caused, like, Mike Laidlaw to leave... God, it just reading that just is like holy crap, heartbreaking. That that studio is in such a bad spot. The fact that Anthem was basically created in sixteen months that they didn't even know what the game was when they showed it off on Microsoft's E three stage twenty seventeen. That a lot of people at Bioware for the first time were like, "Oh, that's what we're making." Like, what is going on? And then for the most part, it really did seem, or at least I got the impression from the article, was that. EA was pretty hands off. I think the truth is that Bioware has a bit of an identity crisis on its hands. I think like they're struggling to find themselves in a world where they can't make games as grand as people are hoping or expecting them to make them. I think they're putting too much pressure on themselves. Like when Dragon Age Inquisition was this sort of semi open world game, it didn't need to be like that because they they just filled the game with these empty areas that were just sort of lame. I always saw Dragon Age as a, more of a dungeon crawler, you know. Like my my favorite Dragon Age memories are like, you know, going through the the ruins and going through the you know, the dark spawn infested tunnels and stuff like that. It was never like, oh, I love I I need this to be an open world game. I need this to be an open world game. I never ever thought that, and I don't think anyone else did. I never thought, oh, I want Mass Effect to be an open world game. This needs to be an open world game. Did you ever think that? Do you ever think when you were playing Mass Effect 2 with its sort of linear mission-based structure with sort of quest hubs, did you ever think, I'd love this to be an open world game? Oh, I never thought, I never thought, I never, no, I don't. Open world games are fine, but like Mass Effect isn't one that I wanted to be a truly open world game. Yeah. And same thing with like Halo. So I bring it back to Halo Infinite. I know there's talk that Halo Infinite might be open world. I'm not sure I like that e- either. I, I'm not sure everything needs to be open world. Yeah, for sure. Um, but anything else that stands out to you from that uh, Bioware expose? I, I mean, I'm still sort of gathering my thoughts on it because I'm going to write an editorial about it next week because, you know, I'm a big Bioware fan and it feels like. I honestly feel like we'll never get another Dragon Age. I don't think I don't think we'll see Dragon Age ever again. And if we do, it'll be some sort of shallow, 
shell of what Dragon Age was. Because, like, I just, I think, like, EA just doesn't have the stomach to make those kind of games anymore. And it's like, um, it's like everyone says, EA is a company that's very dominated by its shareholders and what its shareholders want, you know. It's like, even though, like, Nintendo and uh, Ubisoft are publicly traded companies, they're still very much in control of their own destiny, right? So, like, they, because, you know, Ubisoft's basically a family-run company, and they own a lot of the shares, and they always fight off hostile takeovers, and that's why they can put a 1,000 people on the game. You know, like, that's almost a 1,000 people worked on Division 2, for example. Imagine EA putting a 1,000 people on Anthem. I don't think so. But, like, and that's because the shareholders, they they want short-term gains, and they just want more FIFA Ultimate Team. They just want, you know, more loot boxes because they, they see every every financial quarter, they see that's where EA is making. It's the bulk of its money is these loot boxes and stuff like that. And the cert, the releasing re-releasing FIFA every year, year in, year out, same game, basically. With with the player names updated, the same thing every single year. And everyone buys it and laps it up. And they and the shareholders who aren't gamers, they think, well, why can't Dragon Age be like that? Why can't we make Dragon Age FIFA Ultimate Team? You know. And I bet I bet, you know, Anthem would have been in another universe, Anthem would have been a Mass Effect game. Because it has it pretty much has the elements of being a Mass Effect game, you know. In everything but name, sci-fi, there's aliens, there's high-tech, you know, exosuits, which they basically have in Mass Effect Andromeda. You know, I think like there's a there's a there is some sort of dissonance between part of it's, but like like you say, yeah, it was mostly hands off with Anthem apparently, but I think like even though they're hands off, there's still there's still a sense that you can't just go out there and spend all the budget making a single player game, knowing that it's not going to make any money or not going to make FIFA ultimate team sort of money. So it's between a rock and a hard place. Like EA, EA is just a company that doesn't lend itself well to making those kind of experiences anymore. It just doesn't. And it's because of the world, the way the world is and what EA shareholders want. You know, everyone likes to hate on EA and call them evil. And I, I've, I'm sure I've been on this podcast and literally said I hate EA. I'm sure I've literally said that. But the fact of the matter is, it's just the way it is. They're beholden to their shareholders, and their shareholders do not care what we think. So my expectations for Bioware games has fallen to basically zero now. Um, and I'm probably sure most fans would probably feel the same way. I don't think we see Mass Effect again. I don't think we see Dragon Age again. I'll be surprised if Bioware emerges from this Anthem debacle unscathed too. Yeah. Yeah, the whole Anthem thing is a little... Uh, a little. Uh, it's depressing, man, because Anthem has like this amazing core of great combat mechanics, but literally everything else doesn't work. Loot mechanics are bad. There's no content in the end game. There's only so many ways you can kill that bloody spider before it just becomes boring. Like I've, I've killed that spider about 20 times, maybe. 
and I, I like yeah i got i got like masterwork items and i was like okay do i really want to go back now and kill the, the same spider again with slightly higher damage numbers no i ain't gonna do that by the way sorry i'm done i am done with this game until you add some content but even without even ignoring the service component of it the story's a mess there's nothing to do there's nothing to grind really it's it's like half a game it's hmm. a it's very pretty but apparently frostbite uh engine is a pain to work with and you can tell like how broken was that game when it came out and the the sheer amount of loading screens in the game and stuff like that it's like they didn't know what they were doing I don't know. It makes me sad. It makes me mad. So I was pretty hyped for Anthem, and I was enjoying it while I was playing it. But not but, anymore. But then you re- you just sort of... When the when the flashiness of it wears off, you suddenly start to realize how bad it is. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Uh, wow, this, this, we're getting a little late here. Uh, it's way past the time we normally end the show. And... Um, normally we would open the show to questions. Do you want to take a couple or do you just want to save that for next week? Uh, we can take some questions. All right. Why not? So, We've been here that long. Yeah. Anybody that wants uh, to ask a couple questions, go right ahead, put them in chat. But I want to thank everybody for being here, uh, you know, chatting in the uh, comments, you know, sharing it out on Twitter, uh, you know, hitting that like button, which I didn't even say, to hit that like button today during the entire show. Oh wow! So if you did enjoy the show, make sure you hit the like button. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks to everybody who supported the show via super chats. Uh, that's always awesome and appreciated. So uh, we got a question from Face. He always has a question right away. Uh, he says, "Why did Astro release a PS4 Elite controller at the end of this gen's life cycle?" Interesting. They did release that brand new controller it does look pretty cool um you can actually make it so it's a way better controller when you put the sticks in the asymmetrical position <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that yeah it is a good question about why they released it now i mean you could basically say well there's 100 million playstation owners now when four years ago there there wasn't or three years ago there weren't so there's more people uh who are in the brand and maybe they're looking for a better controller I mean, I also mm. see Sony themselves releasing more color, different color controllers as well. Uh, just kind of like how Microsoft does, just because there's more people to buy it now. Maybe maybe Astro felt uh, this was the perfect opportunity to try and capture some of that market so they can kind of refine that experience for the PlayStation 5. Well, the thing is, it's like that controller is compatible with not just PlayStation, but PC as well. It's not just a PlayStation controller. It's a PC controller. And presumably, it'll be forwards compatible with the PS5 if they use all the same protocols, which they probably will. So, I don't know. I think I think it's like... I don't think it's a problem they've released it this late. Yeah. Someone like that install base. I'm just saying, the install base of the PlayStation is 100 million right now. You know, three years ago, it wasn't. I'm saying that that kind of has you know, uh, a factor, whether or not you agree with it. Uh, Shady wants to know favorite food to snack on while gaming. Hopefully not on the mic in a party. I don't actually snack. Rios. 
I don't snack when I play. Um, I do drink, not like alcohol, but you know, pop and stuff. But no, I don't. I don't. I don't hey. normally snack at all when I play, and I never have. So that's not me. I know my buddy Love Boat Gopher chews on sunflower seeds and stuff, but I'm not Ew. one to snack on anything. I'm not snacking because I am dying, and I've already lost ten pounds. So I'm very proud of myself. Mm, nice, congrats. Uh, next doc. 1851 wants to know why aren't we Xbox fans demanding Xbox Live parody? There should be no preferential treatment just because Microsoft is trying to penetrate a new gamer market. Everyone pays for Xbox Live or no one. That's interesting. Um, I Well, I've done all I can in that regard. I've brought that up to people who can make those decisions. Um... I honestly don't know how to respond to it because I've made videos saying Microsoft needs to remove the paywall for free to play games. I've done my part on saying, Hey, I don't really think it's fair that you can't play Fortnite without a subscription. I don't also think it's really fair to Xbox console owners that they have to pay for gold for multiplayer when it's free on the PC. And I've brought that up to people at Xbox within Xbox about it. So I've tried to do my part. Uh, you know, I've made videos. I've I've talked and emailed to people at Xbox. I don't know how much more I could realistically Did do. They respond. Yeah, they respond. What did they say? Uh, normally, it's Xbox Live Gold subsidizes the cost of the console. Blah 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 blah. It's a basic. 100 Microsoft policy that all games with multiplayer require gold, like typical like stuff. But I've, I, I, I've tried. I don't. I mean, I, it's hard. It's it's like Xbox Live has become a core to their business. It's like you can't just wish that away. You know, it's been like that for so long, and they built their whole business model on it. So. It's like we've said before in his podcast, their business model would fall apart if they just removed it overnight. Something has to replace that revenue lost because they know that money's coming in and they can allocate the money that's coming in to things like, you know, investing in games. So while I agree, some aspects of it suck, like the pie wolf of Fortnite and stuff like that, that just seems unnecessary. But Again, it's their business model. It's just like the, it's the way it is. Well, way. To be fair, paying for multiplayer on console and then seeing PC not have to pay for it isn't fair. In any, in in no regards is that too. Like I understand different market, different realities, and you can't charge for multiplayer gaming on the PC. But I mean, we're calling a spade a spade. The fact that the console gamers have to foot the bill for everybody else. But they don't. They're paying. F- I mean, it just it I mean, looks it looks that way, but it isn't that way. Well, how many times have we? Said, console, how many yeah. times have we said perception is reality? Right. Yeah, well, and perception is yeah. that the Xbox console gamer pays for multiplayer access when nobody else has to. 
it, it it doesn't matter the realities of the situation because Microsoft really doesn't come out and explain the realities of said situation. They don't yes, really even yes. talk about it. So the perception is reality in this case. So I I also feel that they, they feel that Twitter and places like YouTube and stuff, like there really isn't that people aren't really that outraged that they have to pay for multiplayer, that it's really a small segment, small vocal minority. Um, but it is what it is. Thanks for the question, though. Uh, and Eternal Shaddai with the Super Chat. He has a question. Thanks for the support, buddy. He says, look at EA game pattern. Star Wars Battlefront 2, major letdown. A way out and unravel two well-received indies. Apex Legends, free-to-play major hit. And Anthem letdown. Smaller projects, okay, but no triple A's. Smaller projects don't make any money. I've heard that yeah, he made literally zero money on the way out. Well, yeah, so, they, I mean, they, they said that they published the game, but yeah, they didn't. They but they were never expected to make any money on it, though. Yeah, it's 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 like it's it's actually a, it's actually one thing that baffles analysts is like, why does EA do it? Because they literally don't make any money. It's not it's not they're not lying. It's it's not a PR spin. They literally make no money on any of those indies they published. And they give any or any of the profits they do get go straight back to the devs. Like I don't know, I don't know what benefit they really get out of it. I mean, nobody's nobody's really looking at that and thinking, "Oh, good on what, EA." What for benefits for EA? I mean, better like a like a better image, I guess. I mean, the EA does do. have that terrible maybe image with devs, maybe. But well, no, just like, the gamers in general, right? I think. And I don't know because EA is still the most hated company. Like it's not; it doesn't feel Activision? like Activision is kind of getting up there lately, aren't they? Yeah, I guess. But everyone's always hated Activision. The difference between Activision and EA is like Activision has franchises I don't really care about, whereas EA holds the keys to like Dead Space, Mass Effect, Dragon Age. And a bunch and the Star Wars license, God forbid. Yeah. Well, I also think Star Wars Battlefront Two was also a victim of what they were trying to do with the pay to win and the the loot boxes and stuff. Maybe if that game was developed differently from the start, it would have ended up differently. And I actually enjoyed what I played of Star Wars Battlefront Two. Yeah, Battlefront like, Two wasn't actually like loot boxes aside; it wasn't a bad game. Like I thought, the single player was okay. And I thought the multiplayer was pretty good, but it just, I think everybody just hears Battlefront 2 and they're like, loot boxes. Now, Apex Legends, I mean, that's Respawn, baby. Respawn's one of the best developers out there. And they literally went to streamers and people who played BRs and were like, tell us what you like about Battle Royale and tell us what you don't. And they created a game where it was basically Battle Royale streamlined with the shooting of a Titanfall. And it's a major success. Now, EA is going to reveal the Star Wars game this weekend, or, you know, like at Star Wars Celebration, for Respawn's next game, which is Star Wars The Fallen, the Jedi The Fallen Order. And apparently... Which, by the from, way, he's built on the Source engine, yes, on Frostbite. No, 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 no. So Apex Legends is Source, I'm pretty sure... Nope, nope. I've heard that it's built on Source Engine too. I'm pretty sure... Jedi Fallen Order is not built on Frostbite. I thought Jedi Fallen Order was built on Unreal. Oh, okay. Well, it's not built on Frostbite. Well, right. So Apex Legends was Source, and and Jedi was Unreal. And I think some of this comes down to the quality of the developers, quite frankly. 
I think Respawn hasn't made a bad game. And the people who made up Respawn when they were Infinity War didn't make a bad game back then. Like, they're just good at what they do, you know? Well, the thing is, the the Bioware that exists today is not the Bioware that exists when they made all the good games. Like, the Bioware of the past is gone. Like, all those writers, pretty much all the writers are gone. Like, the directors are gone who set the, you know, the tone for the company. Like, they're pretty much all gone, man. The Dragon Age people are gone. Like, there's only Casey Hudson left, and he left the company and came back after joining the HoloLens team inexplicably for a while. Um, it's tough, man. But, like, um, Bioware did prove it can make good games on the Unreal Engine. Yeah. And um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that Star Wars game. I, I have, all, I have, I think it's going to be really good because I have faith in, in Respawn. And maybe if that game does well, single player, uh, Unreal Engine, with all the success that Apex is seeing too, maybe EA kind of lo- lets, you know, dials back some of their requirements of your game needs to be Frostbite, you know? And lets their yeah. developers kind of because they they want everybody on Frostbite because they don't want to have to pay licensing fees if someone uses a different engine than than yeah. theirs, like you know. And clearly, like, that's Unreal not- is not cheap to license for a big company like yeah, like um, if you're if you're a small developer, like Epic will cut you a good deal, especially if you put it on the Epic Game Store. Oh, we haven't talked about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we should. We talk- should. Should we? we? Should talk- the, bo- no, the Borderlands right. Three stuff. Maybe save that yeah. for next week. Maybe save that for next week because. It is getting later, but yeah. Um, but yeah, Unreal Engine is not cheap for a corporation to buy. So, but and as we've talked about earlier, EA is a company run by shareholders, and they just want to. They just think, well, why can't you do it for cheaper? Why can't you do it for cheaper? You know, it's tough, man. I mean, I'm not apologizing for EA because they have made a ridiculous amount of bad decisions, but it's not out of malice. It's just like being. It just feels like it's being stuck between a rock and a hard place at some sometimes. It makes for a great YouTube video, like you know, screw EA and all this, you know. Yep, it sure does. But, but it's sometimes the business realities are the boring things that no one wants to acknowledge. You know. Yeah. All right. So Portal Player wants to know: Do you think Xbox is going third party soon? Um. No. No. no I don't. I think when you when you talk third party, you're basically saying like a Ubisoft where. Their games are everywhere. Um, no. Uh, I, I think you'll see a select games from Microsoft on the Switch. Basically ones that Nintendo okays. I don't think you'll see, at least anytime soon, like Game Pass on the Switch, which means all of Microsoft's exclusive content there. Maybe down the road. Um, you know, I think you'll start seeing more of their stuff on PC. I mean, they already have Xbox Play Anywhere, so that's really not a surprise uh through the x cloud yeah you'll be able to play on your mobile phone um i don't see xbox games being on playstation and any sort of way so no i don't think so i don't think they'll be going third third party in that traditional sense no um i think the the reality of what Microsoft is doing with its sort of flirting with Switch and stuff. It's just like 
they don't see the Switch as direct competition for what their plans are for Xbox. They see it as a, a device that can support Xbox Live with its services. Whereas they see Xbox, they're going to make Xbox into the premier way to play AAA games with its um, with its power. You know that you want. There won't be a world now. I f- honestly feel like there won't be a world where the Xbox isn't doesn't have the most powerful gaming option, except for PC. Like I don't, I don't see a world where Xbox, the next Xbox, is less powerful than the PS5. I mean, you might have to pay more for it, but I think like their 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 thinking is pretty much like the way they think about windows is okay you can buy a cheap laptop from hp for 300 pounds and get a you know a low-end windows experience or you can buy a surface at a premium and get like a high quality windows experience so that's the way they're going to see xbox from now on whereas x x cloud is the sort of accessible option and xbox hardware is the premium option um i would be very surprised if the if the a high-end Xbox isn't more powerful than the PS5. But who knows? Maybe Microsoft will screw something up. It's happened before, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so you know what? Uh, like Jess says, it's getting late, so this is going to be the end of the show. Um, if you guys really enjoyed the podcast, make sure you uh, leave a comment below when the video is on processing. <laughs> um, you hit the like button, share this out so more people can check it. We appreciate it. Uh, Jez, what do you got going on rest of the week? Ooh, same old, man. Same old stuff. I'm just sort of rocking and rolling. Just trying to get through. Rocking and rolling. That's um, right. I don't think there's anything particularly special coming up. Arthur Curry is sad because he asked a question and we didn't answer it. But oh. I'll answer it really quickly. He says, what new Xbox Room Studio acquisition will be announced at E3? I don't know. I don't... I, I have heard they have bought somebody, but I have no clue who it is. Jez? Yeah. I have no idea. I have so literally I, no clue. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, that's I why I didn't, didn't answer it because I don't know. Maybe we'll find out more later on, but I have heard I heard, heard that they did, but who knows? That could just be false information. Someone could be trying to pull my chain. But uh, appreciate the, the question regardless. And uh, thanks to everybody here watching. And uh, we'll see you next week. We'll be back Wednesday, more than likely, um, for another show. Hopefully, there's a lot of news to drop. We're on the road to E3. Jez is going to be there. I probably won't be. Um, be. We'll see. Gunstar says, no rare gossip, question mark. I mean, Jez talked a little bit about rare. Um, He shared his banjo story. Not sure there's much other than that. Maybe there next week. I'll tell you one thing about Rare that was very different from the last time. It was it felt a lot more relaxed this time. Like when when they um last year when I was there for the for the launch, you could feel the sort of tension and nervousness in the air, you know. Now it feels like they're happy with their community. They're sort of pumping out updates on a regular cadence and stuff. They they feels like they're hitting their stride, you know. It was good it was a good feeling. So yeah, we'll see. Looking forward to that. What happens with that? So, uh, thanks, and we will see you next week. Later, guys. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>